Hi, this is Jeffrey Landman, Billy from Halloween 5, and there's only one place I like to listen to the Alone in the Dark podcast, at the Tower Farm. Good evening. This is cursed. Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. It's Miller time. Hello, everybody. You are listening to the Alone in the Dark podcast, and I am joined by my co-host, Maddie. How's Good it going? evening, everyone. And we have a very special kickoff to the Halloween season episode, and we have a very special guest, and his name is Chris LaMartina, the director and writer of the WNUF Halloween special. What's going on, Chris? Hey, guys. How's it going? We're good, man. We're good now that we're uh, yes. we're rolling and everything seems to be working. Let's uh, let's just hope that uh, we won't have any other problems moving forward. But <laughs> we are so excited to have you, Chris. I can't even tell you, man. When I discovered your film first, right, Matt? Yes. And I, 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 it was like a word of mouth thing. Like I remember hearing about it, and then uh, I'm sure that's kind of you know, kind of the the a lot of the marketing with your film that it was a lot of word of mouth, but. I, I heard about your film and then I looked it up and just by looking at the cover, I was like, oh my God, I, I have to try this. So I just cold like bought it. You know what I mean? I watched the trailer and I bought it and I was so, so happy when I got it. And I remember telling Matt about it and I was like, Matt, you have to see this movie, right, Matt? Yeah. Oh my, he was, he was, it was one of those things. Mike's a Halloween nut to begin with. And when he found that, when he found this, no pun intended, on the found, but he really like was just like Matt. This is my new. This is my new tome. This is my new. You know, Halloween watch every single year. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I was gonna say I feel like um, I've heard similar stories. Like my buddy Nathan found a copy at a store, and he just was like, "It's it was called Halloween Special." And every time I see a DVD or like a VHS tape that has Halloween Special, I'll just buy it because I know it'll be something good. And I think that was almost like part of the strategy of like why I called the movie that. Like early on. Uh, my my co-writer on the film, Jimmy George, and I were sort of talking, and he he had thrown some like sort of like punny titles at me, and I was like, no, let's just call it like what it would be called in the TV guide, you know. <laughs> if you and if you find if you found like that that random VHS in the bottom of some like packing box or something, it said Halloween special. That's a brilliant. That is brilliant. Right. Well, it's funny too. Years later, I um I was at a yard sale and I found a I found a VHS tape just called Halloween 1992. No way. And I bought it. Like I think I think it called me. It was like 50 cents or something. But like I got it and it ended up being home movies of this family in Baltimore. Wow, that's and, so um, cool. And it, and dude, I mean, it was just funny to me because I was like, literally, the only reason why I bought it was because the word Halloween. You know, if that had just said 1992, I probably wouldn't have bought it. But, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That is yeah. that is wow. so awesome. Yeah, I know. Anytime you see the word Halloween, I just get I get so excited no matter what it's on. You know. Yeah. Um, Definitely. So, Chris, we can't thank you enough for doing this with us. And this is going to be a fun episode. I just wanted to mention, I don't know if you guys heard, there's two things that kind of came out this week uh, that were announced. And since you guys, I know, Chris, you're a big fan of Halloween, obviously, and Matt, you are too. There's two movies that, that I just heard about that I don't know if you guys heard about. Did you hear about this Netflix movie with Adam Sandler called Hubie Halloween? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really funny. That was shot like three or four years ago. The, Netflix has been sitting on it forever, and every year I've been like, when is that fucking Adam Sandler Halloween movie coming out? Wow. Um, but, 
I'm super, I'm super stoked about that. Although the trailer, he does one of those shitty voices that he always does. Yeah, but, it's, um, it's like that. I, what, uh, what movie is that? The water, it's like the, the water boy. Water boy. Yeah, he's doing like yeah. that character yeah. again or something, right? Exactly. Yeah. But I love it. Like it looks like it. From what I saw in the trailer, it's supposed to be like Salem, Massachusetts, which is really cool. And it looks, it looks awesome. It looks super fun. So I know Matt, you haven't seen this trailer yet, but it's definitely worth uh, checking out. I know it. I think it comes out. Does it come out like end of this month or? Or beginning of October. I think it comes out on. Um, I think it's like October, like like the first or second week of October. Cool. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah. I'm looking forward. I mean, to that. he's had yeah, he's had two huge like that was that one comedy he had. And then obviously, Uncut Gems hit Netflix. I mean, he's been blowing up on Netflix. So I guess that's why maybe they figured it's a good time to release it. Possibly. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Well, he has a deal with Netflix. I know. Like, I, I don't know why they'd be sitting on that, but you know, it, it looks like a super fun movie. So for whatever reason that they're releasing it now, I'm 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 pumped about it. The other film that I wanted to ask you guys if you heard about this, uh, Blumhouse has a new film coming out in November uh, from Christopher Landon, the writer and director of Happy Death Day, called Freaky. Have you guys heard of this? No. Yes, it's it, it's funny. I actually um, I just saw like the poster for or, or no the trailer. I just saw the trailer for it because it's been fallen. Um, and I and I'm and I'm kind of shocked they made the title just called Freaky because yeah. it was originally called Freaky Friday the Thirteenth. Yes. Oh wow. Yeah. 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 It probably had a rights issue, wouldn't you think, Chris, maybe? Right, uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, there's some red flags came up, you know, like somebody freaked out from the Friday the 13th camp and said, no way, you know. But hey, Come on, it can't it can't beat Jaws 3 people 0, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this one looks really cool. Like, Matt, you don't know anything about this, but it's like it. the story follows like a teenage girl who switches bodies with a relentless serial killer called The Butcher, played by Vince Vaughn. It, it just looks it looks really fun, kind of like Happy Death Day. You know, it has that same kind of vibe to it. Uh, I'm pretty pumped, you know, that it's coming out. I wish it was coming out in October, but November we'll have to. Uh, it'll be fun to have like post Halloween blues, you know, to oh, yeah, for sure. check that movie out. So I'm super pumped about it. Don't check your dial, folks. You didn't tune into Transylvania's public access station. No, sir. Tonight is Halloween. Halloween is Satan's night. The Night of the Devil. Reporter Frank Stewart has a special Halloween treat in store for viewers tonight. He'll be leading a group of paranormal experts to the infamous Weber House. Do you know what happened here in the Weber House? Some people got killed. Their son went haywire. Frank Stewart and his team of experts will conduct the first ever live on TV seance. Evil works in mysterious ways, Frank. It's unpredictable. Are there any spirits in the house? It's scary. That, that's far out. That far out. Something strange going on in this house. Animal mutilation. Paranormal disturbances. Devil worship. Wait, whoa, hold on. This is not stage. Hello? Is this the work of the devil? Folks, we are going where no camera crew has gone before. Father, perform the exorcism. This is not some Halloween prank. The grisly evidence of the supernatural is real. We'll be right back. You're watching the WMUF Halloween Special. We're big fans, man, and I, I, you know, I was blown away when I saw your film. Um, but we definitely want to you. ask you some things about the making of the movie, and and if you could just you know bear with us and just kind of uh, let us know and, and let our fans know because 
I feel like, and I don't, you know, no offense to this. I feel like there's people out there that haven't seen this film. And I, I feel like this is a film that I've been pushing constantly to our fans to say, yeah. you got to see this movie. You know what I mean? Because for me, I have this yeah. thing called film habits uh, where I have to watch certain movies certain times a year. And obviously in Halloween, sure. Halloween, there's movies that you sort of your go-tos. And as soon as I saw WNUF and I told Matt, I'm like, this is definitely on my list. This is my go-to. So every Halloween, I actually sit down and watch this with my kids. Um, it's such a great oh, movie nice. and it's such a great, you know, tradition now that I've set up with my family where we watch your movie. So, um, we thank you so much. So let's get to it. Let's ask some questions. Matt, you want to ask a question first? So Chris, I know you're currently in Maryland. Um, I'm just curious based on maybe a future pick or something. Are you from up, uh, upstate, upstate New York? Are you from like Northeast? Or are you actually from, uh, Maryland? I'm from like, Maryland. Where, yes. You are from Maryland. Born and raised. Yeah. Born and raised in Baltimore. Um, like my, I mean like my folks literally like still live in the same house I grew up in, which is in, um, it's an area called Woodlawn. Okay. When, when did your love of like Halloween start? Like when's like the first memory you can remember of loving Halloween? So it's, it's interesting to me because like, I'm, like I said, I'm the youngest of three and I'm, I'm um, as my mom like famously told me one time, um, I, I was an accident and like my brother and my sister, um, my brother's five years old. I'm not sorry. My, my, my sister's five years old and my brother's seven years older. And like being the youngest of three, like I got indoctrinated into like Halloween and like horror movies by like basically just peeking over my brother's shoulder when he would watch movies like monster squad or predator or things like that. So like I, um, that's part of it was just like just being the youngest and like being, seeing shit I wasn't, I shouldn't have seen. Uh, yeah, yeah. But also, like, my family, like, um, like I think my dad just really, like, generally, he liked the old Hammer Horror movies. Oh, yeah. He would watch those occasionally. But, like, honestly, the thing for me is I was, um, during the week, my um, my godmother, my, my dad's sister, watched me, and, uh, like, while they were, were, were while they were at work, and I was, like, really young, and um, we used to go visit, like, my, my relatives in this big cemetery in Baltimore, and, like, my aunt would tell me all these, she's really, like, this superstitious Italian Catholic, and she would just tell me all these like stories of the saints and like superstitions. And like, it was crazy because it ended up being one of those things where, um, uh, she really believed some of the stuff, like, um, some of like these like urban legends she would tell me, like she would tell me those, like the stories about like the, um, you know, like, gang member initiations, the headlights right. flashing. She would tell me stories like that as if that like was like true. <laughs> um, so, um, but I was going to say like Halloween, like honestly, like it was always big because my brother and sister were at just the right age. And I, and, and I, and from a very young age, I saw them getting into like getting into Halloween. Like I remember my sister doing, you know, monster makeup and, and things like that. And it was, it was just, it was just something I, um, I honestly just like, just loved anything sort of like weird and spooky. Plus I was a kid around like Ghostbusters, the animated series being a thing. So yeah. like, that was really important to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So what, what's some of your favorite costumes that you remember wearing as a kid? So the, the earliest one, my mom told me I was a lion when I was a little, little kid, but the earliest one I remember, there's two early ones. One, uh, it's one of those classic, like, um, almost like the Ben Cooper where you're wearing what, you, what you are on your, on your chest yeah, as yeah. well as a mask. So the I plastic, was like, the I was, plastic yes. drape. <laughs> Yeah, I was like a devil when I was like four or five, and that's what that was. Like, I just I'm wearing a shirt that has the devil's face on it, which is pretty funny since, like, like I said, it's like an Italian Catholic family. Um, and then the other one I remember was it was before the Ghostbusters costumes were like commercially uh, like available. Right. So my mom basically put me in a snowsuit and gave me a vacuum suop. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, it's yeah. amazing. Do you Chris, have pictures? Do you have pictures I'm, of that? 
Because that would be amazing to have a photo I think, of that. I think I do have one somewhere. I, it, it's definitely on my Facebook somewhere. I'd have to dig a little, um, but I, I'm sure I could probably find it. That's amazing. <laughs> Chris, I'm curious. You said from Italian American family. I am also. Um, does you, did, does your grandmother or did she ever talk about the Malocchia and the you know that whole uh, you know the devil horns that you know Ronnie James Dio came up with that whole thing where he he well the metal people in the in the world you know they talk about how Ronnie James Dio kind of invented that whole you know your your pinky and your first finger is like metal or whatever. But it's it, he, he said it, you know if you watch him in an interview from from the Wacken Festival in Germany, he talks about how. His grandmother used to do that to keep the evil spirits away. You do the maloikia, like you put the devil horns up to kind of like, you know, keep the ward off the evil spirits that are, you know, world, you know, when it's thin, the thin time between, you know, the spirit world and this world, you know, that kind of thing. So I, I have, I have not heard the maloikia. Um, what I have heard that like the, like the veil being the thinnest, um, my, and a couple years ago at Thanksgiving, I got my godmother to tell this story again and she still swears by it. She talks about that, like that thin veil. And there's this one night, I, th- I, I, I think it's, um, I can't remember. It wasn't Halloween. It might have been like all all um, All Saints Day, right? That's the next day, right? And um, so, but she was saying that like she had a friend who was like basically like over. This is just a great story, and she swears this is fucking true. <laughs> um, she swears that her friend had like overslept or like something like this, but like she thought she was late for like I don't know. It it, it would have to be a time where it was like the mask. It could either be night or day based off the based off the um the time. But anyway. This woman runs to mass late, and she goes into the church, and she goes in, and she realizes that all the people in the church are dead, like they've all oh died in the last God. year. Wow. And and like and like she and like the, the priest who, who I guess is dead as well says, "You're not supposed to be here. This is the mass for the dead. You need to leave." And like she runs out, and of course it's the classic thing where her dress gets caught in the door and it rips for her to get out. And then she comes back the next day after she's woken up, and of course the piece of her dress is in is in the the church door. Jesus. Wow. Swore this story was true. Wow. Um, so, um, no, but I was going to say, um, in, in regard to like, like, like Italian superstitious stuff, the one thing that always stands out to me was there's a certain feast day of one of the saints. Um, I forget what saint it is, but it's basically like a fortune telling thing where it's called the Shiganuli, which is like this bowl. It's sort of like a big, almost like a big, like, um, coffee mug. And like, basically you put two fingers on it. Two, two people sit side by side and it's like a Ouija board where you ask it yes or no questions. And the couple turn based off that. That's the thing she would always mention. And, um, I'm trying to think what's another good, like Italian, uh, like just like goofy shit I, I grew up with. Um, I mean, she was really, <laughs> she was really superstitious. Like she used to tell us like, Oh, that person like will put the whammy on you. Like that. She would talk about like people cursing. It was, it was amazing. That's awesome. I tell you, man, there's fascinating stuff. Plus the fact that Italians, man, when somebody dies, like it is, it is brutal. Like the Irish, you know, they, they, they party and they, and, but the Italians, man, they just mourn. It's all about, you know, it's all that Catholic guilt and it's all that, it's, it's so morose and dark and, and there's the casket, it's open and you're practically just sitting there like having, you know, having this, this pity party and just everyone's <laughs> crying. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> Uh, yeah, man, it's it's heavy on your heart. It's just crazy, but it's funny that you have that. You know, same. I know we're we're, we're I think we're a little older than you are. I mean, I, I pretty much know that. Yeah, no, we're like, definitely. We're, we're we're eighties kids, and we grew. You know, we were born in the seventies, but um, you know, it, but we're not talking. I mean, it's the same kind of stuff. You know, we had the same kind. It sounds like we had the same you know crazy aunts, and uh, <laughs> it sounds like your aunt was was almost that cool stoner video store guy who kind of let you watch or let you take out whatever the hell you wanted and watch whatever. <laughs> I am amazed at some of the stuff she like. Literally, like I got. She bought me the Toxic Avenger. Oh uh, my god! Wow. 
because I had seen Toxic Crusaders and I was like, oh, it's probably like a live action version. And this is around the same time like Ninja Turtles. So I was like, oh, it's probably just like a live, a live action version. Don't worry. Yeah. And I remember like, <laughs> I remember the first scene when there was nudity. I like, I came out and I was like five or six years old. I was like, hey, like uh, her name's, her name's um, Mary Lou and I called her Lulu. So I said, Mary Lou. Oh. Uh, I was like, hey, I, I don't think I should be watching this. She walks back in. The nude scene was obviously over. And she was like, oh, it's fine. It's not, nothing weird, weird is happening. <laughs> I mean, like, even to the point where, like, I was telling this to my wife earlier the other week. Like, she used to be, like, basically, she was my, like, um, video on demand before. Like, she would tape anything I asked her to. And I'll never forget one time I was like, hey, Lou, could you tape this thing at, um, on, um, like, you know, 11 p.m. on Sunday night? And she checks the listing and she goes, killer condom, Christopher, I am not. <laughs> Oh, oh, man. That's awesome. Uh, so she drew I'll a line you, somewhere. It, it is, it's got to be the Italian bloodline, man, because my mother tells me the same story. In 1960, in 1960, my mother was 12, I guess 11 or 12, and her aunt took her to see Psycho with her two sisters. Mm-hmm. And they come home, and my mom's aunt, of course... Like, you know, they're getting ready for bed and she, the woman puts a frigging crazy wig on, gets a goddamn big butcher knife on the block in the kitchen. <laughs> and my mother's like, she had, my mother just said she had a heart attack, like at 12, like she practically had a, like a minor heart attack. And it's like these damn Italian women, man, like they're just, they're out of their mind. It's great, man. What great stories, man. That's awesome. That's fabulous. <laughs> uh, so uh, as far as TV shows go, as when you grew up, what are, what are like, what were like the can't miss shows like that, you, you know, what was can't, you know, must see TV for you like when you grew up, when you were growing up? So, growing up, growing up, I mean, like, it, it kind of depends based off age. So, like, obviously, when I was young, with Little Little, like, Ghostbusters, Toxic Crusaders, things like that. But then when I started getting the horror stuff, like, I loved watching, um, like, Tales from the Crypt when they started, when they were in... HBO? Um, when they were in syndication. Mostly, I mean, there's some HBO, but mostly I got to watch them when, when they're in syndication on Fox. Awesome. Got it. And, like, and I was really, like, a huge fan of, like, um, early days of Sci-Fi Channel. And one of, one of the things we're going to talk about on our top five list is something I discovered on Sci-Fi Channel. Um, but it was, like, one of those things where Sci-Fi Channel in USA, like, I feel like those were sort of, like, the, the channels I watched. But, like, TV shows, I mean, I, I loved um, I loved any anthology-type shows, like, you know, yes. Side, yeah. Monsters. Um, those, were, those were the big ones. And I think I, I always just loved sort of, like, anthology films because I like the idea of short stories. Yes. Yeah, and like you know, Alfred Hitchcock presents that came back in the '80s. Where there's some really good ones of those. Yeah, there were some yeah, classic Nick and ones. Knight used to do that. Yeah, yep. it was awesome. And then you liked, I believe, Arlie. For, yeah, you, you like all that. I mean, I know Goosebumps was kind of the Canadian, uh, the early mid '90s. They, 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 they you know, out of Canada, they had a bunch of those because the you know Arl Stein started really furiously releasing them in like '92, I believe, or somewhere around there, '91, '92. Yeah, that was a little late for uh, for Mike and I, but but we still. I mean, uh, we're you know we're we're educators and I'm you know counselor and and, and teachers, so I, I we in turn turned a whole new generation of kids onto all this creepy uh, yeah creepy stuff. <laughs> I used to teach second grade, and like at the end of the day, we'd I'd read to the kids, and I'd read them like Goosebumps books, and like sometimes the parents would be like, "What the hell are you reading to my children?" They're like, they won't go to bed at night, and I'm just like, "Oops," you know. Seriously, just picture this, Chris. Like I, Mike was a second grade teacher, and I was a third grade teacher, like in the same school, like down the hall, like right next to each other in the hall. Like this, these are the psychos that were teaching, like these nutty. I mean, I you can't make that up, and it's like, well. When you think you're scared now, wait to go to Mr. Poli's class next year. Then you're then you're really in for the, the story time. Oh, That's boy. amazing. Is that, is that how you guys met? No, no, we actually met at, through music uh, way back in the probably '91, I believe. Yeah, uh, I had a, a buddy of mine who who honestly, this buddy of mine was the the kid I used to go and sleep over his house, and every single thing that was taboo that you couldn't watch, this kid carte blanche had 
had his, his mom's liquor cabinet in a, in, in, a sliding, in a sliding closet right next door, and we were watching Make Them Die Slowly and Dr. Butcher, MD, and all these crazy fucking movies. <laughs> I mean, this it was, yeah, I mean, I used to go over there all the time, and uh, so he was my, it, this was, you know, my buddy, and he was one of my really good buddies. So that's where I kind of got, you know, indoctrinated with all that stuff. But he was uh, a Mike drummer. And met, yeah. And he was a drummer. Like, yeah, you're a drummer. He was a drummer. And uh, we met. And actually, Mike was in his band, believe it or not, as the singer. <laughs> and oh, then nice. we, yeah, we met that way. Yeah. And we just started talking about horror movies and we realized we liked all the same stuff, you know, which was Yeah, we cool. bonded over our love of Halloween initially. Like, yeah. it was just, that was the big, the Halloween laser disc pretty much brought us singularly together yeah, when that came out. Yeah, the movie, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> So, Very cool. So let's get to the WNUF questions because I'm dying to know this. Okay. Um, Matt and I love Frank Stewart, the character, and um, the way that you directed him and the script, you know, is amazing. But like, I'm just dying to know, like, was he based on somebody you knew or, or like knew growing up or like an uncle or something? Sure. Or? Sure. So, so there's a couple things. I think like the character of Frank Stewart is sort of like, I mean, there's certain influences and parts that sort of feel like, you know, like what became him. Um, what I'll start to say is when I wrote the script, I wrote it for Paul Fahrenkamp. Right. And um, like, I wrote, like that character, like, like Paul really, you know, what ended up happening was um, I had worked with Paul on a film I made called President's Day. And Paul was, had just like this really funny, just natural sense of humor. Right. But not, it's like a very unique sense of humor. And like even when he's being a dick, and, and I mean that lovingly, it's really charming. <laughs> so like I remember like – and like – so like when we were writing that character, I was like, I like I basically told Jimmy, I was like, you like I want this to be Paul. Like in my head, this is Paul. Let's write it for Paul. But from the standpoint of like influences, I'd say something like, um, look, I mean, obviously there's a certain level of um, Geraldo. Geraldo, yes. His, yeah. He, like, and that's what his character needs to be because it's almost like the Al Capone bullet. But yeah, it's correct. Clearly, how I, I mean, I, I think Geraldo is is light years less likable than Frank Stewart. hundred percent. Right. So. <laughs> So I, I mean, I, what I would actually say more so is um, it's it's it, it's partially based on like um, a, a, a I don't know, I don't like saying the name since this person's still alive, but there's a as a Baltimore newscaster or Baltimore news anchor type um, many years ago that um, he's not on the air, air anymore, um, but he's sort of like subtly like who I was channeling this sort of this sort of smug. Um, uh, sort of dickhead thing. Yeah. Um, but most <laughs> most people wouldn't rem- remember him anyway. Um, so like, but, but but it's part of that. It's a little bit of Geraldo, and then it's like, I mean, honestly, like, I don't think I realized this at the time, but years later, I thought more and more. I thought about it. I was like, there's definitely some Bill Murray in it. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, I listen. The two words never go together, but endearing dickhead. I mean, those two <laughs> words. I mean. <laughs> I mean, Paul is—he's a magical guy. I mean, the way he can convey that, because you're right. I mean, he's—he is a cock. Like he, the things he says and <laughs> the way he treats people, like, and uh, he basically cuts people up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes to—you know—he holds the mic out to the next person. I mean, that's—it's perfect. But he's such a—he, but like he just—you just like him so much. I, it's such a strange Funny feeling. What you said what you said about the cutting off thing. There's certain quirks <laughs> of how he does that that I basically aped from like, um, Art Bell. Like if you guys, yeah, familiar, like, yeah, oh, yeah. Coast to Coast AM. Yep. Yes. Like Art Bell is like, there's so many times where if you catch Art Bell on a bad day, he just seems like an asshole. <laughs> but otherwise he's like really, he's like really sweet and like, or not, I mean, he's dead now. So I shouldn't speak right. of him. But, right. You know, there's like, there's certain times when he's trying to tell people to like pick up the pace on a call. <laughs> like these people are taking their time. But it's like he he knows like I gotta cut the commercial in thirty seconds like hurry the exactly yeah he's got that ticking clock right my this yeah. speaking on that like one of my fa- <laughs> one of my favorite moments. <laughs> 
<laughs> is when Frank is asking uh, the scarecrow if he believes in ghosts, and then the and yeah. the guy says, "Yeah, no, but I, I know who I'd call," and he'd be like, "Who?" Like he, Frank was like kind of dumb, you know? And he's like, "Ghostbusters." Yeah. I'm gonna ask some questions of our crowd here, uh, sir. Tell me, uh, do you believe in ghosts? No, but I know who to call if there are. Is that right? Yeah, and and who would that be? Ghostbusters. Oh, very funny. Okay. Like, I don't know how you guys didn't just like, was there lots of moments where you just guys would like, like lose it on set and just start laughing? Cause like, I, I just can't imagine you like containing yourselves behind the scenes, you know, in, so, in moments yeah. like that. So it's really funny. I was actually, um, during that stuff, I was actually camera operating. Okay. Um, and like, so like it was me and my, my buddy Tim, there's there two cameras simultaneously. And the cool thing was, if you're shooting a movie that's like a normal narrative structure where you're booming the mic, you, you can you have a tendency of picking up a lot of the sound if somebody does crack up. Luckily, with Paul doing the stick mic, it, unless we were like like laughing like fucking hyenas, you couldn't hear if we were starting to smirk. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was gonna, but I was gonna say like um, you know it, it's funny. I mean, I, there were certain times where I thought things were hilarious, but I think I managed to to to, to, to be careful enough to not to not laugh because honestly, I mean, we shot that movie. Um, we shot 40 pages in two days. Yeah. Um, like that's some, wow. that's, it's, it's like, it's an insane amount of, I mean, don't get me wrong, we, we shot the whole movie over probably like two weeks. Uh, I mean like, a, 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 you know, like 10 shooting days or whatever. Right. But like, um, but I was going to say, um, it's, it's funny. Like I, we, it was such a fever dream, like making that, like we literally shot it in an abandoned rectory. Like, um, it, it was like, it was, it was, we, everything was so serious while we were making it that we were so focused that it, it, even though I was having a blast making it, it felt like, um, I didn't, fe- I didn't feel like it was like playtime, which is weird looking back. It's like, dude, like there's, there's some things that just feel like just like really, um, really fun and magical that I, at the moment I didn't realize what we were doing. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. No, dude, that's, that's amazing. That's awesome. To say, I, I just told Mike this, I was, I was watching it last week and I never noticed it cause it's a, it's a strange editing thing cause it's almost cut off. But when, and I don't want to spoil too much, but after the, um, you know, the, the, bur- cause the burgers come across, you know, they're so chaste and they're so nice and they're so, you know, proper. Right. And, but, but <laughs> after, you know, shadow, you know, shadow is, is missing and, and they find them or whatever you hear when they, when you, the way you cut it in, he's like, you take that contract and shove it up your ass. And I never noticed he said that before, but it comes right out of nowhere. And I, I, I literally exploded. Like I had water in my mouth. I spit it. I never heard that before. Either the volume was down, but I, I put, I go, Oh my God, that's unbelievable. That burger says that I, I was dying. <laughs> my favorite part is that he calls him Geraldo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's oh, great. Was that scripted? Wait, no, it wasn't. It wasn't scripted. It, it, like I told, I told him to call him Geraldo because it would be funny. Like, like he doesn't know how to pronounce it. Yeah. Um, but it, he just, he just like I don't think that was in. I don't think that was in the script. I, but I did. I, I remember. I remember telling. Um, Brian to call him that and say it wrong, and I don't think I, I think that was like an ad lib in the moment. Because that was the thing that was cool though. Like um, when we when we made the movie, you know, ev- everything was scripted, and like there are certain actors in the movie that that do the script verbatim. Like um, right. like Rob Long, who plays the priest, he really does. Like most of his lines are 100 percent scripted. Yeah, um, right. Brian and Helen Mary, who, um, who played the burgers, and then and then Paul, who plays Frank. They use the script as a baseline, but occasionally right. they would change. They would change things up because when we did rehearsals for like a week before then, oh, that's and awesome. we would literally we would do scripted rehearsals, and then I would turn out the lights, and then we would ho- we would hold um, flashlights like microphones to get to get Paul used to the fact that 
if he didn't hold the microphone in the right way, we wouldn't get the audio. Oh, that's that brilliant. Really important. That's so, really yeah. smart. Yeah, See, that's great. Yeah. That's as amazing as it is. Like somebody like Paul seems like somebody who could improvise well, but not only that, like it's in, it's all the nonverbal, like st- the stutters and the pauses and that, that's all him. I imagine. I mean, that's, that's the genius of what he does. It's it, the lines are, are wonderful, but just the way he goes about kind of saying it and delivering it with, in his way, it, it's, it's so unique. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. <laughs> so uh, my question here real quick is, uh, I know, uh, I was wondering if when you wrote this, was it kind of like a heated flash of inspiration or was it like a ma- an amassed collection of like musings and writings from like over a long period of time? For WNF? Yeah. WNF actually came together for, um, well, it's really interesting. Okay, so I, I'll try to tell this quickly, but it's sort of like a long, um, I, I, you know, it's 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 tricky. We, we had been making... Um, um, uh, movies basically every summer or so, and um, me, me and my my frequent um, co-writer co-producer Jimmy, and um, we we got to a summer the year before where we weren't going to make a movie. Uh, we were still finishing up this um, this killer beer horror movie we made called Witches Brew, right? And I realized like we were like we were sort of in post production on the hell on that. We had to like ADR a bunch of the movie. Anyway, long story short, we were like coming up with like shit, man. Like the only way we're going to be able to make a movie this summer or anytime soon without any money is to make a found footage movie. And like we 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 both sort of like hated found footage movies, with the exception yeah. of I really I really like Blair Witch Project. Same. And I mean yeah. I think I think like like looking back like um looking back now there's a couple of movies that will last like five or ten years that have actually like learned how to do found footage well. But for a while it was it was really a lazy easy way to make a movie. Yeah. Right. So um so long story short I started thinking about like everything I loved and everything I didn't like about found found footage movies and like I basically wrote this list that started the conversation about making something like. You know, like, why are they filming? Okay, because it's their job. It's a TV broadcast. And if they don't film, you know, they lose ad revenue. There's commercials, yada, yada. Um, and it was one of those things where it's like, well, if it actually is like a found footage, like if it actually is a TV broadcast, could we make the commercials? And when I realized, like, we, I realized nobody would be crazy enough to make a movie where like 30% of the movie is commercials. Right. I realized, like, well, that's fucking cool. We're, we're those crazy nobodies. Like, we'll do that <laughs> because like, that's like, that's fun. And like, and honestly, like the commercials was like, probably the most fun part of the process. And like, so it was, um, and like I worked, um, for a long, long time, like, like about a decade, I actually just stopped at, um, I went in house to do marketing at uh, another company, but like I was a creative director in, um, at uh, digital marketing agencies. So like I was writing like, you know, scripts or the commercials and things like that. So, um, so I was sort of like, that was like my, it was my perfect wheelhouse. And, um, right. you cut your teeth on all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. And like, and like, okay. So the story itself though, I mean, um, I would say it coming together, it came together really fast because like once I knew what the story wanted needed to be, it was like, it just sort of coalesced. One of the inspirations actually was, um, you know, I'm from Baltimore and, um, there was actually, I'd read this art, I read this, um, yeah, article about this, um, the Edgar Allan Poe house many years ago had done a radio seance at the Poe house. Oh my and gosh. I just, and, and I just thought that was so cool. I could never find a copy of it. And, um, subsequently I actually talked to somebody that was actually there when they recorded it. And they said, when they did the whole show, nothing happened. And then at the end of the night, when they were packing up, the radio guy said they got some weird interference after they were off the year, um, which was kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, but like, but yeah, so long story short, that was the, that, that was the start of that conversation. And then I thought about Paul and I, and I just thought about like all the different things you could do. Like, how could you, you know, how could you do that movie um, 
like like what is what does the story really turn into like is it really ghosts like thematically what are you trying to say and i think it was um you know I, people might listen to this and, and watch the movie so i won't give anything away but thematically there were some things we wanted to do and ultimately when i realized it would be a halloween movie yeah i like there were certain things that i had to just build into it knowing that someone who grew up loving halloween and um and that was more just like putting as many you know um horror movie references as possible and as many like those staples of the witching season, you know, into the movie. Yeah. Right. And the, and the highest compliment I could pay you, Chris, is that, you know, the, you, the commercials are, you look forward to them every bit as much as the regular narrative and, you know, the, the regular story. I mean, sir, I mean, but, and the, and the irony of all that is, is that the, the commercials are, they're not like you didn't make, like you made real looking commercials. Like these are commercials that actually were almost identical to ones that existed. So it's not like you went out of your way to make these hysterically funny, you know, lampooning something. They were so genuine and that's the real funny part, but you still so look forward to them because that's that nostalgia just pulls you back there. So, you know, like a magnet so strongly. Um, and that's, you know, it's amazing. So, and that's the, and I think um, I appreciate you saying that because like, that's the thing. I mean, like when we made, an 80s period piece like you know it's 1987 in the movie it's like we had just seen so many movies where like people were making fun of the 80s and it wasn't done from a place of love or affection. Right. it really just came, gonna say it, that it, that's yeah it, it was it just came from people being like <laughs> like like look how dumb they were and yeah like, all right dude well like that's not really I, I i never understand so much time like a lot of times with horror films or or, or certain satires it's like they want to they want to laugh at and not and not like like they want to feel smarter the the, the yes to feel um superior and yes a completely yeah no. I know and I don't I don't I don't know how you did it it's like a freaking magic trick because like you said there's so many movies now even Stranger Things and all that there's so many and I'm not poking fun at Stranger Things at all it's a, it's a great show and very well made but those shows that movies that try you know purposely to set themselves in a different era and they never they never ever and i mean 100 percent of the time never feel the suspension of disbelief you're like there's no way this is 1987 or no this is no way this is 1990 it's, yeah it's just always this false faux flashback or whatever but your film just feels it feels like you're literally watching i mean the commercials are so freaking real like you swear there must be like commercials that you actually watch they must be real commercials yeah and yeah, I think I, I think Matt, you were kind of like fooled by it at first, right? I think when, I completely was. Yeah, I like 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 some people were you know buying into the Blair Witch thing and how it really it really was like a snuff film where you were really watching you know the found footage of these Blair's town. You know, I was I, Mike didn't really tell me the whole conceit, and I knew nor did I look it up on IMDb. Or I, I was just not even the wiser. I just put it on and watched it. And I was like, wait, this is really cool that they found that. Like I was honestly <laughs> like, and I'm an intelligent guy. I mean, I consider myself a pretty smart guy, but I, I just went on the ride like an instantly was like, Oh, this is really cool. Wow. This is right. you know, something I've never seen. But I said to Mike, I've never seen this before. Yeah. Like, thinking that it was an 87, awesome. it aired in 87. Shit. I was 13. Well, why didn't I see this? <laughs> it was super convincing, super convincing. And you know, I think a lot of the things, not even the commercials, but I'd love to talk about some of the like the promos and stuff that you guys put together. Um, one being sarcophagus. Like, is anyone like I, I don't know? Was that one of your friends' films or something? Or, or so, so sarcophagus. The mummy clips are actually from a film we had made previously called Grave Mistakes. Which okay, is sort of like an amicus style. <laughs> Completely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, and it was it was really great because we had shot that film. We shot the wrap the wraparounds on this thirty five millimeter adapter that plugged into the digital camera we used, and it looked like old film. So we were like, oh, we should just take the clip of that, and then I took it, put it some, to some stock footage of New York City in the eighties. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's amazing. I was just watching Asylum last night. 
Funny, oh. it's funny you say that, Chris. Awesome. Asylum, that is one of the greatest anthologies from the Amicus uh, early seventies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's and the, one of the greatest wraparound stories. Listen, I mean, I'll tell you the, the depth that we go here to, uh, to that we, we really like this movie. You're not going to, you know, we're not going to be full of shit because <laughs> I was <laughs> thinking about Feel the Steel, uh, that commercial, uh, yeah, which yeah. is one of my favorites. Tired of all those commercials when all you want to do is rock out? Well, wait no more with Feel the Steel. Born and Wax brings you all your favorite hits, including... I'll live the night you take, so give it what you Order now off the number on your screen, and every month we'll send you even more of your favorite heavy metal hits. I was thinking about pumping the brakes on you, which is really just the greatest fucking song title I've ever heard. <laughs> and I actually wrote a chorus for what I, I, I had these lyrics that I, I was singing, keep on burning rubber, don't know what to do. We're moving way too fast, so I'm pumping the brakes on you. And I just can't get it out of my head. And I actually put it to music. I was like, I put it to music, Chris. I'm not even shitting you. So I, I was you like, should, so it's really funny. I'll tell you the the feel the steel. Um, man, that'd be a good idea to turn that into um, something. Uh, as like a, like a comp album. So my buddy Pat Stork actually wrote that commercial. Like a handful of commercials were written by Pat and some other folks. And um, Pat wrote all the song titles. And then my buddy Joe Mitra wrote all the fake riffs and put drums to them. And then me, my buddy Dave and my buddy Jimmy came over and we all just sang lyrics in our, in my, like we literally made them up in the moment. Oh my gosh. Uh, before we recorded them. So yeah. That's amazing. It just sounds like carburetor would have a really like, you know, keep up burning rubber. Like the guy would be like a freaking, he would be one of those metal singers, man, with that high, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, like steel heart or somebody with just that goddamn guy who could just hit that ridiculous note that shouldn't be able to hit. Uh, I love it. I call I call them the nut vice guys. You know they have a the, <laughs> the nut vice, on vice. The nuts that they can hit those. Yeah, this, those are the nut vice singers. But yeah, I, I just I adore that. I'm assuming that you know this is a pitch black comedy. I, I I wanted to ask you though, since I have you on the line, this this is definitely a comedy before it's anything else, right? I mean, is that how you kind absolutely. of absolutely? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just the, the little Vietnamese boy getting mistaken as a real Vietnamese soldier. I mean, the the the, the needle infected with AIDS virus. I mean, it's just. It's it's blackly humorous, but goddamn, I mean, if people don't laugh at that, I don't know what's wrong with. It. I have to take their like, see if they're breathing, hold up a mirror or their nose or something. It's just, it's so to me, it's so funny. It just appeals to my sense of humor. Well, I was gonna say like when I, when I like like how I describe it now is like if Christopher Guest made a, a found footage horror film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. To say it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> um. So Veronica Stanzi was named after Eric Stanzi, right? The director of Savage Harvest. That's correct. And it, it's really funny. Like, I kind of feel, um, I kind of feel almost bad because I think uh, most of the names I picked in the movie were more like 80s shot on video, like Bookwalter, the Polonia Brothers. You do have Matheson in there, though. Matheson is a great reference because, I mean, who, who writes That's true. Who, better yeah. Twilight Zone episodes than, than he did? You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, but the only reason why I bring up Stanley is because, like, sometimes I feel like Eric was way more of like, and I've, you know, like, Eric and I have corresponded a couple times over the, over the decade, like, because I sent him some films I made. I, I loved all his films. But he was one of the people that when I saw one of his first shot on video movies, um, Savage Harvest, I was like, oh, man, I want to make movies. Like, he was really oh, that's awesome. And, and, yeah, that's and Bill great. Walter is, too. But, yeah. 
That's so That's cool. Awesome. That's cool. What other nods did you have to friends or directors in the film besides those two? I mean, there, there's so many. Colonial Brothers are, are mentioned. I yeah. mean, like even like um, Pie Pike Farms is, a, is at on Mundra Road is a reference to the um, <laughs> uh, Tack O' Lantern. Um, I, was gonna, I mean, <laughs> there's, awesome. there's tons of them. Like literally, the pet stores on Shadowbrook Road is from Monster Squad. I mean, there's yes. there's 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 so many. Um, that occasionally I'll get hit up by somebody and they'll, they'll ask me like, is that a reference to this? And, 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 and sometimes it is occasionally people, um, read too much into it, but for the most part, they're not really reading too much into it. Cause I did put a lot of in jokes in there, but, but that's again, it's not hitting you over the head though. That's, which is good. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's sure. subtle, but it's like almost like a fun little treasure hunt, you know, to kind of go through exactly. as you're watching it, you know, and, and sort of pick out those things, which I love. It's just so great. So how many commercials actually ended up on the cutting room floor, Chris? Approximately about, I want to say probably somewhere like around ten, uh, maybe a little bit less. But they're they're on the DVD. Yeah, I mean, I, I was gonna. I mean, there's so much goodies. There's so many goodies on there. Like I haven't even made it through everything on there yet. It's it's incredible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking it's, of a treasure trove of stuff, yeah. It's it. Well, you know what? You really made it worth. Every, you know, everybody's while. Like it, it's not only is the movie just a treasure, but like you get to just watch everything else. And, and if you like the movie, you'll love everything else. Well, that's like Thanks, the one nine hundred monster. Like I, that was one of my favorites. You know, it just it just nostalgia wise, it just took me back. Hey, creeps! Do you want to hear horrifying tales of vampires, zombies, werewolves, and more? Then pick up your phone and dial the premier horror hotline one nine hundred monster. Talk directly to demons so scary you'll be dying for more. Under eighteen, we'll get your parents' permission before calling. $2 for the first minute, 45 cents each additional minute. one 900 monster Dial in and freak out. That was a big thing growing up was all those one 900 you know, the Freddy and uh, what was the other one? one 900 It was like a monster one, but it wasn't monsters. It was like, um, oh man, I can't think of it right now. But that was a huge thing. So that one was awesome. Where was that footage from, Chris? Uh, the one nine hundred monster is actually um, well, part of it's from a movie by a Baltimore filmmaker named Doug Ulrich. He made a film called Scary Tales that, that I think um, uh, one of those boutique VHS labels put out recently. But then the other stuff of the zombies is actually from um, a short film my buddy Jeff Herberger made in the early nineties. And then the, I think the um, the vampire and the werewolf is from a film that Mike Rasso over at Pop Cinema made back in the, the early nineties. It's That's like a, so cool. like a Halloween, Halloween version. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff that like like looks insanely like period usually yes. is something I repurposed from either a filmmaker <laughs> friend or, or got like you know public domain or something. That's so That's cool. Fantastic. That's great. That's so awesome that these people were giving you this stuff. Like here, just use it or. Oh yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, they, they were super cool about it. Yeah, they were like, and like Jared Bookwalter like gave me a bunch of clips from his um like Chick Boxer and Maximum Impact. Those are like you know he get he let he like was happy to let us use that stuff. It was pretty cool. That's awesome. That's fantastic. I, I question yeah. one last question about the commercials. Was there any commercials that you didn't get to make that you wanted to or? So there always are a handful, but like honestly, like anything that wasn't like painfully eighties, I managed to find a way to do that in the sequel. Right. Um, and um, but like but like no really i mean he ended up doing a lot i mean like i i mean i mean i, I was i mean that's the thing that's interesting too about that stuff i was making like three or four commercials a day because it was mostly just writing the stock footage yeah yeah right Th something i heard i heard you talking about on the commentary track tell us like with shadow like what what was going on with shadow like during the filming inside <laughs> like shadow kept running off or something was yeah so shadow was the cat that the burgers have and the cat um you know i, I cannot believe that cat even 
did as much as we got it to do. Um, but that's, that's why that's why Burger holds it the whole time. Uh, but basically, long story short, um, the cat got out of our hands at one point. We spent like an hour and a half um, looking for this cat. And, and this, this rectory where we filmed was enormous. I mean, the whole oh crew, this crew of like 10 people are running around this house looking for this cat. It's awful. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. That is so crazy. That must have been really so, annoying. Everyone's probably like, what is going on? Where is this yeah. stupid cat? <laughs> so, so, but it ended up being okay, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's great, though. I love stories like that. Speaking of your um, your commentary was thinking about the harvest um, acronyms. Okay. I wanted to take a shot, and you could feel free to, you know, just, uh, you know, <laughs> laugh at me as if I'm an idiot because that's pretty much what I am. But um, I came up with a, I have a couple of uh, submissions here for, uh, if okay. I may be so bold. All right, cool. All right, so the first one I got is heavily armed resistance vultures to end scary times. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, heathens who are really very easily scared tonight. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> I have haloed assholes relentlessly vetting essential seasonal truths. <laughs> Helpers against rare violent entities and syndicated television. <laughs> syndicated television. <laughs> and I got Halloween adversaries rallying violently to end spooky traditions. <laughs> These are all really and good. Half-wit, half-wits apply rare vendetta eviscerating secular titillations. <laughs> Those are great. So that's, that's what right. I got. Those are awesome. Those are uh, phenomenal. Thanks. Yeah, I, that's I, I. I went a little crazy with that, but I said, well, how, "How? You know, there's, there's just endless amounts. I mean, even when I'm driving to work, I'm like, well, what else can I come up with?' I'm like, no, I got to stop this. <laughs> there's so many places you can go with that, which is awesome. But it was inspired, man. It was it was all inspired from the from the movie. That's why I just thought, you almost put like threw a gauntlet down. You're like, well, I don't have one. I was like, well, sh- bing, my ears like stood up. I was like, wait, wait, there's nothing for that. So let's see. So anyway. Yeah, that's great. So Chris, talk about like just a little bit, not to bore people, but just like the distribution of WNUF and like when it started, like I know it was sort of like a grassroots campaign where weren't you guys sort of like like kind of throwing like VHS tapes around, like hoping people would find it like a like a that's, silent. That's exactly it. I mean, I mean, we, we uploaded torrents ourselves to Cinemageddon. Um, we made about 50 or so VHS tapes. I'd leave them at horror convention, like VHS festivals. Um, my, my then girlfriend, now wife, we drove around, we threw them out the window. Um, it was awesome. I mean, like the whole goal was to get people talking. Um, and, and it, and it sort of caught on I and mean, people were like, like, what the hell is this thing? That's so awesome. And then like, when, amazing. when did the movie get picked up and like, like how quickly did that things change with the film then? So we, we had basically signed a distribution deal in, of June of that year, and we, and we were getting rid of all the VHS tapes from like from March to May. Mm-hmm. Um, and once the distribution deal was signed, we stopped doing that. Um, but basically, what ended up happening was they released it on VHS first, and um, you know the New York Times did a story, um, NPR um, National did a sh- I was on their show here and now on Halloween in 2013. That's awesome. Um, Vice did a story the same year, so it was actually I was very fortunate. Yeah. Um, it ended up um, catching on relatively early that year. I am like kicking myself that I didn't get a VHS copy when it was like when I got into it, all it was available was the DVDs. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I missed the chance to get a VHS copy. Um, They must have sold really well. So where where can people buy like the DVD? Where can people purchase this? What's like the best avenue for you for people to buy the movie? Where do you get the most money? Yeah. Well, I mean, you can buy them directly from me. I mean, I, I have, I think I have like a hundred or so left of the DVDs because um, it's actually it's out of out of it's 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 actually out of print right now um, on DVD because the distributor no longer has the rights. So we have the rights back. We'll oh, find another release of it sometime in the next 
next couple of years, but we, we're not, we haven't, we haven't shopped the movie around at all. Uh, but yeah, I was going to say, you can, somebody can just like either send me a message on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter and I'll, um, uh, you know, I can send them and you know, I, I sell for 20 bucks shipped. So that's awesome. Very cool. Excellent. Yeah. And, uh, what about, is it streaming anywhere right now or no? Is it sort of, it's, it's not streaming anywhere right now. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it will be actually, actually, no, it is streaming somewhere right now. It's actually, um, right now it's streaming on Alamo draft house. Yes. Their service, but it's about to come. It's about to come to some other platforms soon, but I, I don't know if I can talk about it until they publicly talk. That's about cool. It. But everyone, oh you know, yeah. everyone look yeah. out for it. It's going to be available somewhere. Yeah. So, and you know, we'll, yeah, Chris, we'll definitely promote it once, once we find out what it, that is, we'll, we'll put it out there so people can check it out. Let's get to WNUF two. Like I know it's still in the works, right? I think, uh, because yep. of COVID everything sort of kind of halted right for you, but where are you at in like your fundraising? Like what, what do you need from people to kind of help this movie get going again? And, and for, for you to come complete it yeah so um well the fundraising is basically like i've raised what i think we, we have to make the movie with i mean the fundraising like if squad's still up on gofundme mm-hmm. uh, we've limited most of the plot like you can only get like dvds and vhs on there right now okay um just because like we basically sold out of like the cameo roles and things like that because right. I, I basically had to cut them off at some point to say i gotta write, make sure i have enough parts for the people and basically most of them have been spoke for um but the movie, so the thing that's really sucked is COVID happened. Um, we, we basically have lost about 15 days of production that were supposed to happen between, you know, March and now. Yeah. Um, so it's been, it's been a little bit bummer. But I, I'm shooting as much as I can. All the commercials are basically done. Awesome. Uh, with the exception of one or two. Um, I'm, I'm filming um, something tomorrow night with social distancing measures. I mean, that's the thing that's been really tricky. I've had to figure out ways to film things. Um with basically one or two people on set or far enough away where it's not a hazard with the yeah. virus. Right, and, right. um, it's, it's, I mean, it's really, to be honest, it's really fucking tough, but like yeah. we're, we're, we're figuring it out. And, um, cause I mean, like, I mean, you know, I, I'm hoping it'll come out next Halloween. Um, but the, but the, but the concern is if this thing is still a thing in, um, spring of this year, i hope, I mean, fuck, I hope it's not, but if it's still a thing in the spring of this year, I'll be like, we won't be able to put it out until I guess 2021 right? or, or no, sorry, 2022. 22, yeah, yeah. 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 And what can you tell like people that have seen WNUF, uh, what can you tell people about the sequel without, you know, I don't want you to spoil anything, but what, what can, what can people expect from this one? Yeah. So, I mean, like, okay. So like, I mean, it, like, I think generally they know about the movie. The movie is like WNUF, the original is about, imagine if you taped a local TV show of Halloween night, 1987, a local reporter goes to a haunted house that may or may not be haunted. Crazy shit happens. Yep. The sequel is, is, um, and takes place in 1987, the original. Yep. The sequel takes place in the nineties. It takes place in 1994 and 1996. So it have it takes place over two different time periods in the nineties. Um, yeah, they're returning characters, um, but like not in in ways necessarily people might expect or, or think. Um, and then I'm trying to think what else. It's 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 not it's not a reboot. Like it's it's a true sequel, but it's um it's uh it's how how do I say um it's 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 very much like a spiritual thing, like a spiritual sequel because like we're, yeah. it's not it's 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 it's. I, I, I don't I I don't go out and tell the plot to folks just because I, yeah, I really want of course to, not yeah of course to, to, to like to come and surprise um but it's it's um it's it's weird man I know if people like the original 
they're going to like this. Um, it's, it's just, um, it's, it's, it definitely is slightly different than the original though. I'll say that. Gotcha. Let me ask you yeah. this. Cause I've heard you in articles and stuff talk about how, you know, writing WNUF was easy for you in the sense that it was like a love letter to Halloween and, uh, so compared to writing the the original WNUF, how was it writing this one? Was it just as smooth and did it kind of pour out of you or was it a little more difficult because it was the second time around you were thinking about it more? What was the process oh, like? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think it was a lot more difficult. I mean, I think the thing that's, that's most important is, um, you know, in storytelling, but also just being like, like a theme film, it's like um, expectation is your enemy. And I think what's scary is the more stuff you do, the more people expect from you, good, right. good and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what I was, I was tricky with. Like, there's certain things that I have to do that people expect because that's the brand. But then there's also certain things that I, I want to avoid because I just want to remake the same movie. There's certain things that are like the same movie. Like, for example, there's commercials. Yeah. Um, but, you know, obviously, like, there's just there's going to be variations, especially because it's like an evolution of, like, what did media look like in the mid-90s versus right. the late 80s? You know? Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's fascinating. Yeah. I'm so looking forward to it. I can't wait. It's like uh it's definitely one of my most anticipated sequels that I, I just can't wait to check out, you know, just based on uh how much I love the first movie. So we're I'm really pumped for it and I know a lot of our listeners that know your film are really excited. So so the GoFundMe's still active, right? So if people Google WNUF sequel. It is. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, so if you, if you just search WNUF on GoFundMe, you'll find it. Um, once you donate, just make sure you email. Um, it's all on the page, but make sure you email your address if you get any, um, like if you get like a, a film, like 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 a DVD or, or VHS. Just make sure you send us or your mailing address so we sure. have that information. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Well, I think and it's don't I, miss out this time, Mike. Don't miss out. No, on I'm not going to miss out on the VHS <laughs> this time. So you'll you'll be seeing something <laughs> from me real soon because I definitely <laughs> I missed out the first time around. Like I almost want to just like like. Take I I own the DVD of WNUF. I just want to like put it on a VH just so I have it, you know, right, like right. on my shelf, so I can be like, there it is. But I know it's not the one that you actually just, just write Halloween movie on a blank tape. That's it. That's all I have to do. Right. Go old school. <laughs> Gold school. So we have three guys here on this podcast that are talking right now that really love Halloween, right? So what we came up with the idea with Chris is we're going to give our top five what we called Halloween feels, right? Where we talk about movies and TV shows that kind of gave us those Halloween feels kind of growing up and and just the, the ones that we kind of go back to, right, guys? Yep. So we're going to get to our top five. Before we get to our list, though, I wanted to sort of maybe just mention a few that aren't on our lists, um, just briefly, just to kind of give a little attention to them. So just a couple that, you know, I, you know, there's some obvious ones, right, Matt, that we talked about that we're not going to mention on here because they're very obvious and that they're films that we have talked about in the past. And we, we kind of tend to like to go outside the box a little bit, Chris, and talk about, you know, different things that we haven't spoken about on the, on the podcast. So mm-hmm. like an obvious one is trick or trick or treat, uh, you know, uh-huh. the movie from 2000, Mike, yeah, Mike Doherty's film. Yeah. yeah 2006 or 2007. Seven. Um, yeah. We're not going to have that on our list tonight because that's a pretty obvious one. But there's definitely some some good ones. Another one that I thought of big big time when I was a kid was the Thriller music video. Um, when that came mm-hmm. out, that was like huge Halloween feels for me. Matt, how about you? Any any others? I mean, you how many mention? times a day did you watch? I watched that 10, 15 times a day. Yeah. Oh my when, god. I mean, that was that was eighty three, I believe, when that video came out. Or yeah. Eighty three. Yeah. It was just mind boggling how. Like, how can this be on? Like, how are they allowing this? Yeah. And there was the whole behind the scenes video too, where uh, it was Rick Baker, yeah. right? Was showing like uh, how they did the makeup and stuff. And that's like how I became obsessed with like, you know, sort of that special effects of movie makeup and stuff, which was really cool. I'm trying to think what else, Matt. I uh, mean, the, 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 um, 
the trick or treating montage and the silhouette shots from Halloween Three are just brilliant. Too. Yeah, no, that's um, that's another amazing one. The season of the Witch. There, there's some beautiful. I mean, it's a great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. How could you not watch that a thousand times when you were a kid? Yeah, yeah. And then what about the Halloween scene from ET? Is another one from, from my e. childhood. Yeah, it's a classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I always love that one. Uh, Chris, do you have any any ones you can think of that you didn't put on your list that's worth mentioning or? Huh, that's a good question. Like the really, like the more obvious ones. I don't yeah. know. I mean, obviously Halloween. Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, yeah, for sure. Any the television version, the TV version, man, that's great. Yeah, yeah. that's how I had all that saw Loomis, the, the Loomis stuff with the doctors, right? That he was talking to. That's never in the regular movie. Yeah, which is super cool. Yeah. Another one that that's always kind of fun that I kind of discovered later in life was the Elvira's Halloween special live from Salem, Massachusetts. Oh uh, yeah, which is kind of fun. That one's on YouTube. That's a fun watch. You know, you can go back and check that one out. How about It's a Great Pumpkin, Charlie yep. Brown? Like that's a super obvious one. Another one that's not you know not super obvious, but it's something that I watch with my watch with my kids when they were younger and I still make them watch it is the very first Dyer of a wimpy kid movie. There's a scene that takes place on Halloween and it's, it's yes. got, it's like dripping with Halloween feels. There's just like really good decorations. A lot of the, a lot of the picks that I have tonight have to do with like set design and just what a great job, you know, people do with that. And Chris, you did a great job with WNUF. Just, I feel like a lot of movies that like put Halloween in a movie, they don't take the time to like really make it look like Halloween. They just like throw up like a pumpkin or something and they're like, oh, good. It's Halloween. Right. And that just annoys the shit out of me. So I love when I see a movie that takes place on Halloween and that you could tell they went went out of their way to really make it look like like a natural Halloween setting, you know? So uh, any others, Matt, you can think of? No, I mean, we should get to our, uh, our five here. Let's do it. Five. So let's get to our list. So, Chris, we're going to nominate you to go first. So if you want to yeah, tell you're us... You're a special guest. <laughs> you're a special guest, so you go first. What was your number five? My number five. All right, so my number five was the Headless Horseman episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Um, basically it's like a, it's a slight version of like the telling of legend of sleepy hollow. Um, and for me, legend of sleepy hollow encapsulates like what I love about Halloween, right? The story itself, there's not really a headless horseman, but like what we, what we imagine to be the folklore around an area. I feel like that really encapsulates Halloween, especially because, um, I actually ended up proposing to my wife in sleepy hollow. Wow. So like Halloween and like is in, is totally entrenched with with um you know Terrytown, Sleepy Hollow, Headless Horseman folklore to me. That is so That's cool. Amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, Chris, I just watched that episode today for the first time, and I uh-huh. like I love it, man. It's so much fun. It's like really really yeah. clever the way they kind of tw- you know intertwine the story with the, I forget who the main character, the kid that moves into town. Um, yeah, I forget his name, but I, I love like Matt knows that's like my favorite story. Those coming of age stories where like a kid moves into a new town. Like that's like, I'm a sucker yeah. for that. So as soon as I watched the episode, I'm like, Oh my God, this is so great. And, uh, what was awesome is I have like an Apple TV. I had to buy it cause you can't like, sh- it's not like free anywhere, you know? Right. And right, it was only like, right. it was like two bucks, but I'm like, I'm so glad I did because I'm going to watch this every Halloween now. You know what I mean? It's like another one of my film habits, but it was just like super fun. And just the imagery alone was just the amazing like this i don't know where do you know where they filmed this one chris 
So that was probably in Canada because most of the um, most of um, I afraid the dark was shot in Canada. Yeah, right. but all those Canadian yeah. shoots, it just looks like a New England kind of village or town. Exactly. You know what I mean? For sure. It, yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. Matt, have you seen this one? I have not seen this one. No. You got to check it out, man. It is so good. It's like really, really fun. And I, I always For forgot. Sure. I haven't seen this show in such a long time, but I forgot the whole Matt. You'll love like I don't know if you remember the show, but they started like where uh, yeah the a, candle thing, right? Wasn't it the whole like no? Uh, it's a campfire. All the kids are around campfire, a campfire, right? and I mean, then yes. like they start telling the story, um, and then it's yeah, like great. then it wraps up with them at the campfire again. It's just kind of like a continuing story of the characters. But what a uh, what a great pick, Chris. I love it. It's so good. And now back. So my number five is going to be uh, from 1988, the opening, very opening scene of Night of the Demons. It's a great, great credit sequence, first of all. And then it does that form cut from the jack-o'-lantern into the animated, you know, the one to the one that's on top of the guy's car as the teens are driving. Uh, yeah. I just, I absolutely, I mean, I just love that opening. To me, it just, it, it honestly really feels like Halloween. Um, you know, he's mooning the old guy that's walking by and... You know, yep. There's trick or treaters wandering around the town, and and um, you know, and then Judy gets scared by her brother's mask because he, you know, he's hiding in her bedroom closet. There's a lot of like, uh, you know, they, they took the time, like you said, Mike. They actually took the time to make it feel it wasn't, you know, because you did that. You know, you scared your brother or your sister, or you jumped out of the closet or whatever yeah. it was, and it was just it, it was it lent it a little bit of authentic, authenticity to uh, the whole thing. And then you know, then she gets a call, of course, from the the boy that she likes, who tells her that they're skipping the dance to go to this party at the Hull House, and you're like. Okay, they jump, and I love how it just is like you're pulled in and you're intrigued right away. Like, what the hell is the whole house? And right, going there, and wow, we're never going to. This whole thing's going to unfold, and it's going to be some weird. Uh, but it's very, very atmospheric, and that's what I love about it the most. My number five is from Halloween five and it's the tower farm party. Let me just say like Matt, we've talked about this before and Chris, I always say that, I don't know. I, I really love four, five, and six of Halloween because I consider them like, um, I call it the Salt Lake Trilogy because they all filmed in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh-huh. And they all have the same feel, you know? And there's something about that town, you know, where you're talking about Canada. Filming in Canada has like a New England vibe where Haddonfield to me feels like, you know, like the best or the most realistic in four, five, and six. So. Five was a continuation, obviously, of four, the story. And they did such a good job when I was talking about set design with capturing the vibe of Halloween. So you have so much, uh, you know, in Halloween four, you have like the opening, uh, which is really great. In Halloween six, you have like the Halloween festival that they have. But yes, in Halloween. With the radio host. With yes. The radio host. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the Howard Stern like radio host. So in part five, you have this tower farm party that they, they start talking about right from the beginning, these teenagers, right? And it, it's amazing. So we get, we even get the line 
trick or treat right before the leather jacket wearing tough guy Mike gets it in the in the face with a garden tool. Okay, asshole. You want to play? Trick or treat. <laughs> Um, so it's like the buildup to this party is huge, the anticipation. And that's what I love about Matt Knows Me and, and Halloween. I obsess about the anticipation of Halloween more than the actual day. I don't know if you're like this, Chris, where like it's like leading up to Halloween is like is like more important to me than the actual day of Halloween, you know? I don't know if that makes sense, yeah. but it's like Chris, once- serious, seriously, he might need a therapist around <laughs> October twenty fourth or fifth. Like he's already in like depressed mode. Like he really is. Like it's like, oh, it's over. Oh, here it comes the sun. <laughs> but no, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, there's definitely this build up that like it's hard to make Halloween live up to whatever we built it up to as in our heads. Hundred percent. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough. So the anticipation's great in this film because they're kind of talking about this party. And as a kid, I used to dream of going to a Halloween party just like this, you know? So like the location, it's like a perfect spot for a Halloween party, right? It's like a farm that's isolated from everyone else. Um, and it really has like this kind of like harvest feel, you know, which is, which is so great. The uh, the one thing that always makes me laugh about this scene is there, there's like an old lady, I guess it's like Mrs. Tower or something, like sitting in a rocking chair the whole party. Like if you go back and watch it, you'll see this old lady just like sitting there and she's like just making these faces, like turning her head kind of quickly looking at the teenagers. It's very strange. I don't, I don't understand. There's a lot of stuff in this movie that isn't great and that you sort of kind of like do a little head turn, like a Myers head turn to. I don't know why this old lady is just sitting in a rocking chair, but it kind of Remind me of the old lady in Halloween Three, right, Matt? The one that's in the rocking chair that the head flies off, the robot yeah, one. Yeah, the, the the doll he got in uh, in Germany, like in the 1700s or whatever. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so very strange, but anyway, that's I just love the imagery and uh, you know the decorations at this party and everybody's in costume dancing. Like I said, it was just like as I was a kid, I was like probably 12 or 13. I was like, when I'm a teenager, I'm going to be going to a party like this. You know what I mean? Yeah. This so, is I call this the party I never got to go to. That's basically what I call. Yeah. It. That's it. Totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, so that is my number five. So let's get to our number four. Chris, what was your number four? All right, number four on my list. Um, okay, so there's an episode of Growing Pains. There's a Halloween episode <laughs> of Growing Pains um, where it's basically um, uh, all the people, like Halloween gets rained out. It rains on Halloween and they all just go around telling stories and everyone, like I forget, I forget all the kids' names. But right. like, Chrissy's, the Chrissy's in this though at this point, right? They have a little exactly. kid at this point? Yeah. 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 Chrissy is dressed as a pirate and she has like... Little- yes, and they're running outside and the, the tree gets split or something because the lightning hits it or something. Exactly. Shit. Yes. But everyone tells these stories and like all the stories are pretty amazing in because they're all different. Like one of them tells like the classic, like the Hitchhiker story. The other one tells like an invasion of the body snatchers type story. Um, <laughs> Carol, the, um, the daughter tells like a weird, like my, like just a crazy dream story. Um, so it, and it's really great. It's just like really fun. And like, um, it's just really eclectic too. Like I feel like there's a most, um, most like um, it's amazing how many anthology um, styles they throw into like the half hour episode. That's it's awesome. Kind of shocking. And it was a two parter, right, Chris? I think it's a two parter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah, you're right. So I did. I forgot that. So yes, that's probably up an hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. They had to split no, it into two. I know what's striking about this too is that you know being a young man growing up and 
you know, you see Carol and you're like, oh my God, she's fucking hot. Like she's wearing this low cut. Because <laughs> like, I think even Alan Thick, you know, he, he actually, you know, he's a dad or whatever. He, he actually comments on like how she's scantily clad and, and like, were you going to go out like that? You know, with his deep <laughs> baritone, you know, voice, baritone voice. Right. But I just was like, holy crap. She's like this nerdy girl. She's always hiding behind his glasses and stuff. And all of a sudden you're like, whoa, Carol. You're like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> definitely yeah I was gonna say I mean like that was one of those things where I just remember like you know we, we used, I would just have like three or four different like tapes every October of just like oh. all the Halloween like network shows and that was one that I watched almost every year growing up show me that smile light up the night with little come on my goodness let the Halloween begin. It's not just imagination. When you hear a ghost whisper right in your ear, creatures of the dark, here we are, coming to scare you by bringing your nightmares to Matt. Number four. Yes. I'm going to uh, I'm going to 1997. Speaking of the 90s, mm-hmm. and Mike, you and I were already on our way to becoming old men by then in our 20s. <laughs> but I I slavishly watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer um, as a, as a TV show, and I just thought it was I mean just the voice and the ear for dialogue, and and it's, it just blew me away the writing and and uh, Every and, and and his love of Halloween is evident, and as you know, and all the creators of that show. But season two, episode six, is the Halloween episode, um, and it aired in October of '97. And goddamn that WB fucking CW, whatever you want to call it, man, <laughs> they they just always seem to get Halloween episodes right. I don't know why. I mean, it's it's definitely the 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 cleaner you know version of it, the dressed up version of it, but. It always felt authentic to me. Dawson's Creek did a, a good job with it. Even Smallville even did kind of a good job with you know because they had that Midwestern uh, feel yeah. in there, even though it was filmed in Canada probably. Um, and this episode of Buffy Man it starts with her kicking a vampire's ass in Pop's pumpkin patch. Like it starts in the pumpkin <laughs> patch, and she's freaking killing on. In she's High Pike Farms. Oh, it's the yeah exactly. <laughs> but and there's the, and then they go to this costume shop like ten minutes later, man. And there's kids running around in the background. Um, it doesn't even seem like they're like, being directed. It just seems like. You know the the chaos that would be a costume shop, and Buffy's in the foreground, and she's got this pumpkin that she turns over, and it's like, and it screams when she like she turns it right off, um, and then and of course Willow, the her best friend or whatever, comes over, and she's got this classic ghastly ghost costume, like the simple '80s '70s you know ghastly ghost costume. Uh, it just all feels to me again, it's that about being authentic, and it really just feels. And then, of course, it turns into uh, you know the guy who owns the shop, you know, is in, in is uh, you know got a pentagram in his house and he's doing some wacky fucking spells and uh, everybody, everybody, you know, it becomes a Goosebumps episode on acid because everybody becomes their costumes for real and it just becomes a lot of fun after that. Yeah, it reminded uh, know, Chris, me. Are you, inter- me of the- you interested in that at all? Are you watching this? I, I, I never watched any of the Buffy show, um, which which is a shame because apparently it's awesome. My, my wife is super into it. Maybe maybe I'll get her to. Um... Oh man, tell your wife. Yeah, your wife. That's a great in too because she could really kind of indoctrinate you. But it's it's really. You'll, I mean, hopefully you'll you'll feel what I felt, but it's it's a lot of fun. It's definitely emphasis on fun, and the dialogue is fantastic, and it just feels authentic. Like it feels really Halloween, and it's really really cool. And the characters are are really great. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. What did Mrs. Davis give you? She must be stopped. 
Let's hit one more house. My number four is from a movie that you and I saw together, Matt, at like a, at like an early screening. We got lucky enough to get tickets, and it was from 2006's Monster House. Don't make a sound. If those are the teeth and that's the tongue, then that must be the uvula. Oh, so it's a girl house. What? Don't make a move. Freeze! Tree? <laughs> Whatever you do, don't go on the lawn. Don't look back! I look back! Monster House. Yes. Um, and this Steve was Buscemi. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of voices in this. Jason um, Lee, yeah. Jason Lee, and uh, who else we got? We got John Heater as uh, as like the nerdy video game guy, oh, which right. I love yeah. his character. But yeah, this this was a movie that Matt and I saw together in in a, in theaters. We got like an early ticket, and we didn't right. really have the only expectation we knew it was like about kids on Halloween, and it was animated, right? So yeah, cue, cue the creepiness, Chris, because here's two guys in their thirties going to an animated film. <laughs> <laughs> sitting amongst kids in this preview because we were handed out tickets in some AMC lobby at some point and we just like jumped on it. We're salivating and every other kid's just sitting there trying to, you know, fight for popcorn. And Mike and I are just like, yeah, we're going to see a Halloween movie. It's going to be great. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> it was great though, man. It really was. No. Like, yeah, sorry. Was it was fun. Yeah. Like all my picks are pretty much has like, um, you know, it's like a Halloween film habit for me. And, I'm, you know, being a dad, I have, I have two kids, I have twins and, you know, when they were younger, I was always searching for those, you know, kind of gateway films to get them into horror. And as soon as I saw this one, I knew our kids were really young at the time. Right, Matt? But I yeah, knew yeah, like one or two. Yeah. For yeah, sure. yeah. Your kids were young and my kids were young. Um, I knew that this was one I was going to going to watch with them. You know what I mean? And I still do to this day, which is fun. It's just like, um, you know, it's a great film about a couple of boys and a girl uh, that suspect their neighbor's house is alive. And if you haven't seen it and you do love Halloween, this movie is highly recommended because it takes place, I think, a day or two before Halloween. But it's sort yes. of the the feel that I wanted to talk about is right at the end. You know, they they sort of have this this huge battle where, you know, I don't want to spoil it for people that haven't seen it, but they have sort of like a huge battle with uh, like a neighbor across the street and the and the house that they think is possessed. But there's there's like um there's like the main character DJ, he kind of has this like he's kind of going through his his trying to grow up and and not you know feel like a kid so you know his friend uh chowder is trying to get him to go trick-or-treating and finally chowder at the end is just like yeah i guess we won't go trick-or-treating and dj sort of like changes his mind he's like well you know what we have worked really hard so let's go trick-or-treating and the look on chowder's face he's like yay and he like they, it ends with them kind of going across the street like walking into where all the other kids are trick-or-treating so the vibe in this scene is just so it's just like dripping with halloween love and it's like yeah. this cool crane shot coming up that kind of reminds me like you know when they showed the uh like the october 31st halloween title and Halloween four. Um, there's like a crane shot coming over the street in Salt Lake city. It just reminded me of that. But this movie, if you're into like a Halloween movie, there's something about this, this fictitious town, even though it's animated, it's just got such a cool vibe. It's like the kind of town, like a location that I'm big into location. So anytime I see a movie like this, I'm just like, Oh my God, I would, I would want to live in this town, you know? Yeah, so who doesn't like that story? Like the, with that, with that one house on the street that, you know, that forbidden kind of, you know, shuttered yeah. plate, you know, house, it's kind of that cool mystique, you know? Right. We've, we all have that house in our neighborhoods. You know what I mean? So anyway, so that was my number yeah. four. Three, 
Number three is, okay, so this is something that I think actually was probably, um, maybe maybe in the back of my head, an influence on WNUF, um, the Mike Randall Halloween special. All right, hit the lights. Stay where you are, kids. It's time now for my very scary Halloween special. <sighs> So yes. Mike Randall was a um, local newscaster, news anchor type, investigative reporter in, I believe, Rochester. Yeah, upstate New York, yeah. Yeah. The only reason why I found this was because in the early days of YouTube, I would literally just go on YouTube and type in Halloween <laughs> regional or Halloween and a year and just see if I could find some weird That's rabbit hole. Awesome. Yeah, you fell right in. <laughs> and, I mean, now it's actually really hard to find stuff on YouTube because it's mostly just, like, bots making crappy videos yeah. or Reddit videos <laughs> and things like that. But, um, but, no, back then I found this, 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 this special. This guy basically just takes a bunch of, like, spooky news packages about, like, haunted places or, like, costume shops. It's just really he's like really charming and sweet. It's mostly pretty wholesome, uh, but yeah, the Mike Randall Halloween special. Chris, I did. I, might, I know Mike. I think you watched this yeah. as well. I mean, I I could totally see the influence. I mean, the the, yeah. the when the title comes up, I'm like, wow, that's great. Like it has, and he the scariest thing might just be the sweater that Mike Randall's wearing. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. It's horrifying. He's like Ned Flanders. He really yeah. is. He <laughs> really, really is. is. Yeah, but it, but a way cool, like yeah, a way cooler than Ned Flanders. But, yeah, exactly. Uh, but I was trying to I was trying to place what year it was. But then he did this one thing where he talks about Halloween and they do this montage clip of a bunch of stuff. And I saw there was a clip from uh, the Dream Master on Nightmare on Elm Street Four. So I'm like, well, that's '88. So it's at least there, or or you know, at least yeah, '88. So at least after that. So it couldn't have been before that. I was trying to place the year, but it, it's really, it's awesome. Chris. It's so like, fun. Everything you're talking about. It really is. How he tells the parents to leave. <laughs> yeah. come. It's so great, man. So the flashlight, yeah. Oh, it's great. It's fantastic. And I love his character. His like, um, I don't know, what would you call it, Chris? His like. Um, like his Vincent Price. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I love totally. that character. Vincent Van Gogh or something from Scooby-Doo or whatever. Yeah, like he, he should have <laughs> had his own like horror hosting show as that character, like up in Rochester. Yeah, you know definitely. what I mean? Oh, that tasted mighty fine. You know, nowadays, it seems as though boys and girls like to be scared 365 days a year. You know, number three, Mike and Chris, I'm going to stay with TV. I'm now, now I'm going to the 90s. Talk about, we before we were talking about shows that took place in a different time and never felt authentic. Well, I have a show called Freaks and Geeks Ooh. that was the most fucking authentic piece of 80s, slice of 80s that, I, that I, I immediately felt like I was, I knew every single character on that show that maybe they were from my neighborhood, possibly, I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but there, that Halloween episode, Tricks and Treats, uh, aired October 30th, so uh, Mischief Night of 99. So that's just talking about, like, people thought the world was going to end, you know, Y2K, <laughs> but this was... Not a sign of the apocalypse. This was a this was amazing uh, episode. Like everything about it, like um, you know the homemade baked treats, um, you know, and all the the fear of the razor blades and the LSD laced in the candy, like all that they're, they're talking about. Like through the episode, that's weaved, and the fact that the mom, you know, she goes out of that way, and she's the most pure woman, and she's so good, and she makes these treats, and no one, you know, and everybody else, like, you have to understand, we're not going to have those. Those are hand, those are homemade, and we can't. Yeah. You know, it's just so great. Um, and the woman insisting that that one lady that opens the door, she's like a wine or whatever. She's like thinking that, you know, insisting that Sam's a tin man, not Gordon from you know, the day the earth stood still. Um, 
And it's just a high, like the uh, definitely the getting dressed montage set to Cheap Tricks gonna raise hell is, is a high oh, watermark of it's television. It's so fun. Yeah, so it fun. is just. Oh my God, Chris! Do you know? Do you do you know? Familiar with this episode? No, it's great. It's great. It's so good. Oh, I mean, Neil Neil's Groucho Marx costume, and he's like, <laughs> I look like Hit, I look like Hitler and Tom Selleck at different points. Like he's just he's riffing to himself in the mirror. Like he's like Travis Bickle, like a Jewish you know, Travis Bickle or whatever. He's like hysterical. Hmm. Looking for Chaplin, only seeing Hitler. Yeah, it's um, great. And then you have that freaking soundtrack, man. Like you have Ugh. Roller by April Wine. You have Free For All by Ted Nugent. Like it's it's like a ridiculous soundtrack. It's amazing. And then yeah. you have Bill, Mike, in his black bra. Um, <laughs> and in the craziest scene, he's literally becoming Jamie Summers, um, oh, the bionic woman. I he, love it. He's practicing on the phone and he's pretending to talk to Oscar Goldman, his boss, and his mom actually picks up the phone. and. <laughs> I'm sorry, Steve Austin. I can't marry you. I'm I'm mad at you right now. What? I'm, so, I'm sorry. I can't hear you. Hold on. I'm gonna put the phone on my bionic ear. That's that's better. No, don't talk so loud. Don't forget, I've got bionic hearing. No, these are not bionic. These are all me. Huh? I heard that crack cow. Oh, oh, it wasn't you. Oh, okay, I guess I'll just... Oscar Goldman. It's me, Jamie Summers. Steve Austin is trapped in the, in the reaction. Uh, I'm, Mom. Okay, you could use the phone. Oh, my God. It's one of the funniest damn scenes. And, I, and the whole thing is Lindsay. Like, it's framed around Lindsay, the older sister, Linda Cardellini, and how, yeah. you know, she's finally letting it go over all her inhibitions and she's trying to so bad to fit in with this crowd. And basically, she should be... You know, she's finally accepting and, and and that she's free and she can make all you know be independent and be with her friends. And meanwhile, she should really be home handing out candy and and things with her mom because she's definitely not ready uh, ready for the hell, the raising hell part of uh, of what yeah. you know what her friends, her aspiring friends, get into. Hey, relax. It's Halloween. We're supposed to do this stuff. My number three is also from a TV show from the '90s, Matt and Chris. Oh. This is the My So-Called Life Halloween uh, episode. I'm having a brain hemorrhage. This is such a great idea. I can't believe it. I can't even communicate with him when it matters, when it could affect his like, life. Will you forget Catalano? I felt like I got something going here. I told Tino about your book. So we are going to meet here tonight outside the school at like nine because it's a witchy number. And we are going to contact the spirit of Nikki Driscoll. This is definitely, this was one of my favorite shows. Winnie, Winnie Holtzman, the creator, she, she was such a good person to create these characters that felt real. You were talking about, you know, real characters on Freaks and Geeks. Well, I felt like, you know, Winnie did a great job with that as well on this show. So this aired on October 27th in 1994. Um, and I remember watching it live on TV and being a lover of Halloween and, and a lover of the show. It was like two things that I love coming together, which was great. I was in heaven. So before I get to the Halloween feels of this episode, there's like the main reason why I love this so much was that it was it was mainly about making something happen. There's this character, Rayanne, and she's like always trying to like do something fun, right? She's like kind of like um she's Angela's like kind of crazy yeah, friend. She's, she's edgy. edgy. Yeah, yeah she's, she's the edgy, edgy one. one. 
Yeah, and the the thing I love about this, like the message I got from this episode, and it's something I wanted to talk about with both you guys and with with our audiences. Mm-hmm. Halloween, like you know, Matt, my anticipation of Halloween, and like I can complain that it's almost over, and like you have to make something, you have to make things happen. And Chris, I know you know this because you made a movie about Halloween, but you know how it mm-hmm. is. Like October comes. Like, don't just complain about it and, you know, worry that it's over. Like, do things. Like, go out and do things. Go to a haunted house. Go to, like, a hayride. Go to, go at, you know, pumpkin picking. Like, you have to make things happen. You know what I mean? To, to Especially this, this, this day and age, you know what I mean? With COVID and stuff. If you can socially distance and do these things where it's safe, go do them. You know what I mean? Because that's what's going to make Halloween special, you know? So that's, that's the main message I got from this episode, which I thought was great. But... Anyway, this is a really cool story about uh, a ghost in a high school uh, that Angela sort of like conjures up by wearing these like old 50s clothes as a Halloween costume, which I thought was really cool. So there's like a, a lot of, of a, pro- a little bit of a prom night to Mary Lou, like your aunt there, Chris. Hello, Mary Lou. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. It definitely has that vibe. Um, but it's really cool. So, you know, Rayanne comes up with this idea of going to the high school at night and breaking in and like performing like a seance to bring this this uh, boy who died, you know, in high school back from the dead or to, you know, to sort of summon him to, to talk to him or something. So they make something happen. And then without spoiling it, if you haven't seen it, some things do happen and Angela experiences something, uh, which is pretty cool. But it's just a great episode. The Halloween decorations in this are awesome. It just has a cool vibe with everyone in school even the teachers are dressed up in the school which never happened with me when I was in school but it's just an awesome 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 episode so if you can track it down I I think it's on Hulu right now maybe but definitely check it out Chris have you seen this one before oh no it's great yeah yeah yeah. I have have the box set oh Oh, me too awesome yeah, yeah, I love it. It's so good. I was a member of the, it was called Operation Life Support back in the day when the show was like threatening to be canceled. Like I, I like joined oh, their, yeah. I was like such a fan that I was like, oh my God, I love the show. I don't want it to be gone, you know? Um, it's a costume. I mean, I would really dress like this. So, Chris, we are down to number two. What's your number, number two? two? Okay, so my number two is, in its entirety, uh, the early 80s made-for-TV movie, The Midnight Hour. Eternity is about to play a nasty little trick. Who's that? On the carefree kids of Pitchboard Cove. You know what you're going to wear to the party yet tonight? Demons arise. Come heed my bidding on this night of nights. Halloween, my favorite time of year. Ah! I'm not afraid of death. I'm going for it. The party could go on forever in the midnight hour. Next. Basically, this was made to cash in on, um, I think this, I don't know if this is ABC or NBC, but basically they to cash in on Thriller, Michael Jackson's Thriller. They made this film that's sort of like this weird, like, it, like it has musical numbers in it, um, like a handful of original songs, but then a lot of canned music. Like you know, like a werewolf shows up and they play that that um, "Hey There Little Red Riding Hood." Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah, they, even the Smiths are on the Smiths. I it's know. Amazing. How soon is now? It's amazing. Yeah, oh. so it's, it's all. It's like it's a really fun movie because it's like. It's actually a pretty. I think it's a pretty sizable budget for a major TV movie. Yeah, but basically, these kids unleash the um, the spirit of this witch and this small New England town, and she brings the dead back to life, and all these other monsters show up. It's 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 a total blast. 
it is, Chris, I can't tell you, there is a listener of ours who is one of our Patreon subscribers, but he's the best guy, and he's from Sweden. And he has been telling, specifically Mike, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm not I'm trying to get myself off the hook, because I should be watching it too, but he's been telling Mike to watch this movie for years. Right. And, um, yeah. And when, when we got a whiff that you might be talking about this movie, Mike and I both, and I hate Heat. Nothing more I hate than watching than tracking a movie down on YouTube. But if there's no other way to do it, you know. Right. I, I got, yeah. So so we both ventured onto YouTube, and I can't believe this is the treasure that oh of the my year god for me, of, of is, the decade for me. It really is. This, I did not see that. Like and I and it's great. We talk about a WNUF. It's a perfect snug fit for WNUF because I watched a broadcast out of St. Louis and it's with all the fucking commercials included. <laughs> oh wow. That's- yeah, dude. It's uh, it's a don't get the hour and 20 whatever version. Get the hour and 57 minute version because that's the one with all the commercials from St. Louis. I love Louis. it. I love and it. And it's you know, it is a. Ama- it's just. It's like literally. It reminds me so much of NUF in that way because you feel like, like you're really a part of something that actually happened. Like it was something that you know the real broadcast. And it's funny too because we we were out in um, Los Angeles maybe God, maybe four years ago now, um, and we ended up doing a double feature of WNUF and uh, Midnight Hour. No at, way. At a series called Cinematic Void. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My buddy Jim God. Branscombe did a great job doing that. Yeah. Oh, that is so cool. Dude, Mama told me not to come. Even shows up by Three Dog Night. They even. <laughs> Put that in there. <laughs> True. I mean, that cast too. That freaking cast: Kurtwood Smith and Peter DeLuise and Dick Van Patten, Lavar Burton. Think about it too. For the Earth, Lavar Burton. Yeah. For the mid eighties, yeah. man, they had a lot of black in that cast. That was really impressed that they had so many leads. That that's amazing to me for that that time period where that wasn't really a, a prevalent thing. No, you know? mm-hmm. it was Definitely. it was so amazing. It's such a joy to watch that that movie. I was like watching it. Matt and I were texting back and forth like. I are, we, are we really seeing this? Like, there's the, like serious. I was right, just ready to wake. Like, wake me up. This has got to be something we're dreaming. This movie. Like, it's, I mean, Wolfman Jack's voice just t- tying the whole town together. And yeah. His radio broadcast. And I mean, I mean, the, the freaking substitute teacher, like, dressed as Bowie. She's a total wino. It's like this classic character. <laughs> and that get dead party dance. I mean, it makes Thriller look like freaking chicken dance. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> On the stairs, and they're all doing it. It's great, man. It's fantastic. No, I, I can't thank you enough, Chris, for introducing us to, to this and, and you know Absolutely. It, it's it's such a good film. And it's so it's, please if anybody's listening from any distribution company or synapse or any blu ray please, please put this movie out. Yeah, I how could this a, not be it's gotta out. be a music rights issue. It has to be a musical rights issue. It has to be, right? It's gotta be, right, Chris? Like I, I can't even imagine the, the cost this, to be able to put this out on tr- something. Oh. This would sell out like immediately. It's it's a gem for sure. But I'm gonna I'm gonna like I'm gonna rip it from YouTube and burn my own Blu-ray because it, like it's that good. You know what I mean? I, it's I, that good. I have and to have end, a copy. Even the ending, everything. I won't even say. I don't want to say. It. I mean, it's it's. I, I am in love. Like seriously, it's the best Halloween slash discovery I've had in years. I'm this Halloween, have a devil of a good time. The Midnight Hour, Saturday. I mean, I'm in the mainstream here, but I can't not put this because I was literally 10 years old when this came out. And I saw it a few times in the movie theater. The Karate Kid, the original one, that dance prank scene when they're at the Halloween party. Yes. And Daniel's in the shower. He's kind of my hero because, like, if you think about it, Mr. Miyagi has this costume idea off screen. And, and, you know, Daniel just shows up in the shower costume. But he now gets to, it's genius because he gets to hide from Johnny and the rest of the Cobra Kai guys. Yep. And he gets some alone time with Allie. Oh, 
Yeah, you've come to the right place, stranger. Yeah, I've never danced in a shower before. Yeah, a friend of mine made this for me. <laughs> Isn't it great? So, uh, where have you been hiding? Well, I haven't been hiding. No, I haven't seen you around. Have you been looking? Sorta. Sorta. <laughs> like yeah. It's a genius plan. Like, it's a can't-lose plan until, of course, Daniel decides that he needs to play a joke. Um, so after he unleashes some karma, uh, you know, he puts the shower hose over where Johnny's in the bathroom and yep. in the stall there. You know, he's chased by an extremely pissed-off Johnny, but the minion of Cobra Kai all dressed in that skeleton makeup, but they're chasing him really quickly, man. It's When I was 10, I was like, oh, my God. I was freaked out. I was like kind of freaked out in this part. <laughs> You couldn't leave well enough alone. Could you, little twerp? No, you had to push it. Now you're gonna pay. Because it's kind of this perfect melding between like Halloween and bullying. Like it's like this, they meet in the middle, and it's like this really perfect kind of you know fear that you would have as a kid first of all being bullied but then being bullied by a bunch of guys dressed as skeletons yeah. that look pretty horrifying yeah and they're booking it and they all know karate and they can all kick your ass um and there's like seven of them that are coming at you so this scene has always been very very close to my heart and just this one scene obviously the whole movie is not like that but if we're talking about feels this one scene it leaps off the screen at me as a halloween thing so just wanted to bring it up no, it's a great one, and it definitely, being a lover of Halloween, like when this scene came up, when I saw it back in the day, you know what I mean? It was just like the excitement of, oh my God, it's and, taking and place And this band, Broken Edge, that provides a song, No Shelter, when he's running, I mean, it would be on, <laughs> it would be on Feel the Steel, it would be on that soundtrack. It really somewhere. would, yeah, it really would. <laughs> <laughs> My number two is in honor of our guest here. Chris, my number two is from the WNUF Halloween special. And specifically, <laughs> it's all of Frank Stewart's segments. And <laughs> I I just love in front, these, in front of the Weber house, right? In Location front of the front Weber of house. Before, you know, before they go inside, you know, I love the whole movie, obviously, but like the Halloween feels just with everyone in costume, you know, you know, who doesn't love, you know, a corny Halloween joke, you know, and Frank kind of sets that off from from the start. <laughs> Hello, Gavin. I can hear you loud and clear, partner. God, hell, you are loud. You just might raise the dead, which is what we might be doing tonight, huh? Yeah! You know, behind this, like, larger-than-life character, Frank Stewart, we see some, and, like... And the producer jumps out of the van. <laughs> to ensure my safety and that of my comrades, we have our brave producer, Veronica... What? What on earth? My God! Whoa, 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 whoa! Oh, very cute. Very funny. Trick or treat, Frank. Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is our fearless producer, Veronica Stanzi, um, who's obviously uh, gotten to the Halloween spirit herself with, uh, with a few uh, pranks there, huh? Hope it didn't scare you too bad, Frank. Well, yeah, Veronica Stanzi coming out with a chainsaw, very Friday the 13th. Um, it's it's just oh, drip, dripping, dripping, dripping. But all the awesome costumes, you know, you have um, you have like the guy dressed as Elvis. You have the man in the bunny suit, um, the hobo. You have the, your the, buddy with the vampire. The vampire's the great, though. man. His, um, li his line, like, wait, somebody died in his house? Wait, he says it with his teeth in? Okay, and uh, uh, Dracula? Somebody died in this house? Uh, yeah, that's, well, that's why we're here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 
the way he delivers it with those teeth, man, I'd die every time. You have like the random gorilla that's just like when he's asked a question, he's just like, hur, hur, hur. and then you, yeah. and then you have the witch. You know, it's it's just like the Halloween feels in this in this movie, but in this scene is gargantuan, you know. And you know, Chris, the film is like a love letter to anyone who loves '80s nostalgia, but most importantly, a love letter to anyone who loves Halloween. It's just like it's just and Frank, amazing. And Frank is the greatest because in the spirit of his, you know, his 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 quest to do this 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 great Halloween thing. He's not dressed as anything. He's just Frank. Like he's just fucking Frank front and center, man. And that's oh. the best costume he could possibly wear to me. I mean <laughs> it's amazing. Frank Stewart. Yeah, it's great. Chris Wick, where where did the costumes come from? Like were they all just like yours or like gathered up or donated or so, um Yeah, so a bunch of them were things we just had from previous movies that like we just like basically just had together. And then we also had people bring some of the costumes they had themselves because we knew the idea, the odds of like having stuff that fit everyone yeah. was very low. So, right. so a handful of people brought their own costumes. Like the bunny costume, that was Julian's own costume. Like the scarecrow, that was his own costume. But then a, a handful, like you know, the judge, the judge wig, and the mallet were like, like just we just had a box of just random <laughs> oh, shit from our movies. It's so yeah. awesome! It's so awesome! <laughs> it's great. And besides, you know, besides this segment, you know, obviously there's there's more Halloween in the movie that people haven't seen it. But like you know, you have like the commercials, like High Pike Farms. You know, it's got a very Halloween feel to it. Um, I love the French Johnson's makeup kit. Just in time for trick or treating, it's the new Halloween makeup kit by French Johnson. Use a wide variety of colors and creams to transform you and your friends into hideous monsters. You can become anything. Demons, ghosts, maniacs, and more. French Johnson makeup is safer than masks. It never impairs vision, and it's hypoallergenic, too. So pick up your Halloween makeup kit today and watch your kids transform into creatures of the night. Like that's something I remember seeing like those sort of makeup kit commercials constantly, you know? Um, yeah, definitely. Oh my God. The Halloween safety tips from book Walter hearing about like dentists, like doing those like cash for candy kind of thing. Like, exactly, so seeing yeah. Dr. Allen's cash for candy thing just brought me back to being a kid. And even, you know, the harvest segment that so reminded me, I don't know if you've seen this documentary, like the the pagan invasion, it was called. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Oh my God. It so reminded me of that. Cause it was like, you watch that pagan invasion documentary and you watch the harvest segment and it makes you like Halloween even more. You know what I mean? Like the imagery is so great. Like in your, in your segment with harvest, you're showing like all the trick or treaters and stuff. It's like, it just brings you back and you just like Halloween even more. You're like, this isn't doing what it's supposed to be doing. It's making me like Halloween even more. It's not making me hate Halloween. You know what I mean? Which I thought was so good. Um, where did all that footage come from? Was that from a movie you did or something? The trick or treaters and stuff? The, um, the Trigger Readers was actually from another short film that my buddy um, Jeff Herberger had made. I was really fortunate. He had made a film that took place on Halloween, and he made oh. that in the early 90s. So, and it was, um, and fortunately he can't release it because it has a bunch of, like, copyrighted songs in it. But, like, yeah, he um, uh, he had all these clips of, like, kids trick-or-treating in the early 90s. That's like, so that's great. Close enough to the 80s that I could use it, yeah. That's awesome. I had to put this film on, on my list because, like I said, it's a Halloween go-to for me every year. Anytime I want, like, a Halloween feel, like, as soon as October comes around... It's just like it's a go-to for me and for my family. So so I had to make it my number two. So thanks for making it, Chris. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Thank you for, for enjoying it. I appreciate it. You're watching the WMUF Halloween Special.
So number one, um, I, I, I'm going to have to say, okay, so years ago, I, um, I, I mentioned earlier on the conversation there was the sci-fi channel, um, you know, like when I was a little kid, I used yeah. to watch that in the early days. So um, this is actually probably a couple years in the sci-fi channel being on the air, but Rob Zombie hosted a week of zombie movies, and they called it Zombie Week. Okay. And he showed, he showed a heavily edited version of Evil Dead that was so, <laughs> that, that was so much shorter because, because Evil Dead is... You couldn't show anything. Shown on but at the, end of, at the end of the broadcast, they had like five minutes because of like because it was so short and they showed this short film that i used to have on the tape with evil dead um but now it's on youtube and you can find it on there really easily called pumpkin madness 2 and it looks like it was made by some like tv guys out in like i think like the like the west coast somewhere yeah but basically it's a it's about it's like these stop it's a stop motion animation pumpkin movie where these pumpkins carve themselves and go fly around town <laughs> um and 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 like literally i watch it every year like it's something that like like right right when the weather starts getting colder i have to put it on that's so. awesome chris the one the one floats and the one get the one hits the the glass door because it can't make it outside in time or whatever yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hysterical it's the oh, it's, it's fantastic great. <laughs> and that song, the song is the best part. Mr. Jack Lantern is my name. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Lantern is my name. But you can call me Jack. Got a flame inside my head. And I'm a smoke attack. You better duck when I'm Oh, man. It is. Yeah, it definitely has Halloween feels all over it, man. Mike, you, Mike, it's only four minutes and a half, dude. You got you got No, I, I haven't seen it, but I'm dying to check it out. Matt was kind of describing it to me today before we did this, and I was just like, I, I got to see it, you know. So I will, <laughs> I'll definitely put it on in October. Yeah, but. it's a lot of fun. You may be a victim of pumpkin madness. <laughs> I'm going super obvious for my number one, unfortunately, okay. but I have to do it. I'm going Vincent Drugstore scene from Halloween 4. Oh. Call me. Okay, bye. Rachel, what are you doing here? I thought I was supposed to pick you up. Jamie needs a Halloween costume. We do. Okay, we go down to ILA. We've got the best costumes in the whole town. Come on, Rachel. In a second. There's enough Halloween ambiance in this scene to last for an entire lifetime. You know, there's loving shots of masks. There's hay bales in the middle of the store. There's costumes galore. And, you know, Vincent Drug seems to be like the store. I mean, we've all had a Vincent Drug, I guess, in our town. Yeah. Uh, at some point, especially these like these Midwestern and, and even the East Coast towns that have these small, the, actually the, the town proper downtown, uh, these wonderful tracking shots past the living nightmare makeup set. You guys were talking about makeup sets yeah. before. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's and it ends on a the panning shot ends on a bent over Kelly Meeker and, and you know <laughs> the prototypical Hitchcock blonde if you will and she's like coldly she coldly shoots down Wade and you know and she's he has no game whatsoever and then the immortal line of course Mike about Wade but then we have Brady who confidently tells Jamie you know go down to aisle A we got the best costumes in the whole town and he's right like she goes down there and. It's Halloween heaven. There's like a reptilian simian face with like double set of eyes that's down there. There's that amazing Dracula mask with like the hint of blood dripping down the corner of his mouth. Uh, there's like that skull mask with the neon pink snake like crawling out of its mouth and the other heart's coming out of yeah. his ear or whatever. Yeah, I remember that. I mean, it, it's just, it's so well like, you know, there was just that panning shot down across those masks. It's, it's awesome. It's amazing. It's so great. 
There's so That's much, great. so much Im- imagery in that scene. And every time it comes on when I'm watching that movie, I'm just like, oh, you know, it's just so good. It's so good. So and that's sp- my number one. And speaking of Matt, right. I think we should announce it. Chris, Chris doesn't know about this, but we we've done a couple T-shirts to kind of promote the podcast. And our latest T-shirt that we haven't launched yet, we'll, which will launch as soon as this podcast comes out, is we actually did. You'll love this, Chris. It's like it's like an old newspaper circular, but it's like uh-huh. for for Vincent Drug. And what we did oh, was, that's awesome. so we took like some of the items, including like the Myers mask and we put like prices on them. Like it's from a newspaper clipping and it's a, it's like our new t-shirt. This Halloween season from the alone in the dark podcast comes the Vincent drug t-shirt. Have to have those horror teeth, that Halloween pale, share a love with a shape mask, fancy a pair of foster grant sunglasses, or is the clown costume your fashion jam? This shirt has it all. Put one of these on and show your friends it's actually possible to wear your Halloween spirit. So order yours today at tpublic.com. Don't miss out. This Halloween slip into our Vincent Drug t-shirt. It fits so good. That's amazing. Yeah, so that shirt will be out. So anybody listening, you can check it out on our T Public site. And uh, yeah, you can buy your own. So there you go. So that's Maddie's number one. And we're down to mine, right? What is this? Sisters, I'll spot again. Farewell, mortal bus boys. What are those? What's that? Who's that? Hobgoblin. Oh, oh. Bless you. This is it. You went obvious, Matt. I went super obvious. So I know a Disney movie on a horror podcast, but how could you not include Hocus Pocus? Uh, when mm. you're talking about Halloween <laughs> feels, this is a movie, you know, I saw, I didn't, I didn't see it in theaters, but I definitely saw after it came out and the amount of Halloween love and feel in this movie is, is just amazing. We were talking before about set design. This is like, uh, this is like a picture perfect storybook version of Halloween in, you know, filming in, in, in and around Salem, Massachusetts. You know, obviously some of it was filmed in a set in Hollywood, you know, some of the outdoor stuff, but I've go to Salem every year, Chris, uh, with my family. And it's like one of my favorite things to do. Cause we go every year and, you know, go through some of the haunted houses and just walk around and I never get tired of it. It's just such a beautiful town. Yeah. Um, it's gorgeous. Have you been there before? So I'm actually, um, we go every year basically. And, um, oh, we're wow. actually going, we're going, uh, I think a week and a half from now, but obviously awesome. we can't do all the stuff we usually do. Yeah. COVID. So we're basically, we're getting an Airbnb and doing a couple of museums that are like, that, that are limiting their number of people. But yeah, we're, we're going off for like a, a week next, a week and a half from now. Awesome. Wow. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. it's such a great town. It's, it's awesome. But the, um, just talking about this movie, like as soon as like we, we come from the past and we go back, we go to the present, like even the, the school, like the teachers dresses like a witch and the classrooms just like decorated with all these Halloween, you know, decorations. Like it's just, it just gives you those like that, like super happy Halloween vibes. Granted that, uh, you guys here in Salem are all into these, uh, black cats and witches and stuff. 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 But everyone here knows that Halloween was invented by the candy companies. It's a conspiracy. It just so happens that Halloween is based on the ancient feast called All Hallows' Eve. It's the one night of the year where the spirits of the dead can return to Earth. 
Well said. Um, and even mm-hmm. like Allison's wearing like a cape, you know, like this like red cape, like almost like Little Red Riding Hood. It's like super cool. And just the town of Salem, you know what I mean? Chris, you've been there. Matt, you've been there. It's just like the it's such an amazing backdrop for for like a Halloween kind of feel, you know. Max's house, Definitely. Uh, Max's house. Have you been there, Chris? Did you drive over to Max's house? I um I don't think I have seen Max's house. No, oh. is, is that close to Salem? It's right in the next town called uh, Marblehead. But you know what I'll do is I'll send you I'll send you the address. So when you guys go up there, you can cool. drive over to it. It's super easy to get to. But that yeah. house is just just so cool with the turret. It's just got that old like kind of New England vibe, you know. And then Allison's house. When they get to that scene where Max and his sister are uh-huh. trick or treating, they have the fight. They kind of like fall into like the the hay barrel and they're having that conversation. Like just the decorations in that scene are amazing. <laughs> Something just flew across the moon. The adult party at the town hall is like so good. So it's just like this whole movie just like for me is like represents Halloween. So there isn't a Halloween that I don't watch it at least three or four times. You know what I mean? It's just like that movie for me because if I ever want to be in that Halloween mood, if I'm like decorating the house, it's that movie that I just put on in the background. You know what I mean? Because it's just like so easy and so great. So it just, it just makes me happy. You know, when you have that film that just makes you smile and happy, just like WNUF, like Hocus Pocus does that for me as well. So, so that was my number one. By the way, Danny, I love your costume. Thank you. I really like yours too. Of course, I couldn't wear anything like that because I don't have any, what do you call them, Max? Yabos? I feel like there's a lot that we put out there for people to check out. You know what I mean? Which Definitely. is which was the goal of this. I feel sure. like just your yeah, list alone, sure. Chris, made us Matt and I sort of open our <laughs> our brains up and watch some things that we hadn't seen before. Definitely. So. So if you guys are looking for some great Halloween feels, I hope this podcast did that for you. Chris, anything like besides WNUF2, like your other movies, Call Girl from Cthulhu and Witch's Brew, like where can people see those films? Yeah, so Call Girl Cthulhu, um, I mean, you can buy copies from me. I'll usually do any three titles for 50 bucks shipped, and then mm-hmm. I'll throw in extra stuff, like the comic book we did and all this other stuff. Awesome. Um, oh, wow. But I was going to say, so um, I have I have those for sale myself. You can just hit me up, or you could just go on some of that stuff on Amazon. But the other thing I was going to say was, um, yeah, the GoFundMe for WNF2 is still active. Yep. People want to get copies of the DVD or VHS. But then also we have a... Um, our, our film, uh, What Happens Next Will Scare You, which is like a clickbait horror satire. Oh, cool. That is actually premiering. Um, that's premiering virtually at the Nightmares Film Festival. It's an online-only film festival this year because of COVID. Um, but that's premiering in um, late October. Um, it's a it's a, it's a Columbus-based film festival, but this year it'll all be online. And, um, that yeah, that's going to that's gonna be, um, I think it's like the last weekend of October, Um but yeah, awesome. that'll be premiering then. So yeah, so I mean, it's crazy, man. It's been, we've been working on that one for like um, many years. It's finally just got, it was sort of like in post-production hell for a while because of some of the um, the CGI compositing. But, uh, wow. but yeah, we're, we're, that'll be premiering finally. That's cool. So Did what, you ha- write- what happens next will scare you. <laughs> that's what a- happens next will scare you. That's yeah. a great <laughs> title. So is this written and directed Thanks. by you as well or? Yeah, so, so I, dire- I directed it and then I co-wrote it with my buddy Jimmy and then co-produced it with... Um, Myself, Jimmy, his wife Jill, and my wife Melissa. Oh my God, that's amazing! That's yeah. so cool. Yeah, 
That's awesome. Yeah. And then don't you do something else? There's a couple things that I, that I wanted, I just made a note of to tell people about you do, you're doing like, you do like a scary story night or like, but you're doing it virtually or something. So, Is that? Yeah. So to talk about the other stuff real quick, cause, it, cause I can talk about this all goddamn day. <laughs> um, so I've done over the last, um, over the last decade, um, uh, I've done a night of scary stories, like open mic ghost stories at a bar in Baltimore. Unfortunately, we can't do that this year because yep. of COVID. So what we're doing is we're I'm having people send in stories of them telling personal paranormal encounters, like you, you know them with a flashlight or them with candles or them in a closet telling these stories. Trying to keep it like a, like somewhere between like three to seven minutes each. Right. But then what I'll do is I'll com- I'll compile those into my what would normally be on an on stage event. And then turn them into um, a, like a, like a live event, um, and it would be free. Like I'll, I'll basically like post the video or do some sort of live stream, and then have it shared around. That's uh, so. Let cool. us know about that. Let us know. Stories, just yeah, just um, just find me on Facebook or Twitter or on Instagram or whatever. That's awesome. And then real quick, tell me about because I love like the whole horror hosting thing and Elvira. You're a part of this like Shocktail Hour thing, right? Yeah. So I guess I guess the other two things I could talk about actually probably three things. So one thing is my wife does this thing called Shocktail Hour, and she's basically, I guess the best way to describe it is Baltimore's, uh, Baltimore's Elvira. Her name is Aurora Borealis, and she hosts a horror film <laughs> so awesome. in, in Baltimore. Um, so she does that, and then she, we've been doing live streams via Facebook for like during the quarantine, but like it's been a little tricky because of rights usage. So we're actually, I think we're going to be showing WNUF in October on Facebook, um, which is, if no one's seen it, that's a great way to see it because she'll be hosting that. And she, she like makes a cocktail and does that. I run an oddities museum in the back of a record store. In I Baltimore heard about this. Dr. Wow. <laughs> Dr. Gloom's <laughs> Crypt of Curiosity. So it's basically like, very much like a tourist trap. Um, back of the back of protein books and records. You play Chuck Connors. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like it's like you can if you, if you like Atlas Obscura, you can look at Atlas Obscura, um, Doctor Williams' Crypt Curiosity. So if you're ever in Baltimore and you're trying to kill an hour, as long as the record store is open, we are open. That's so, yeah. so cool. That's awesome. Yeah, I love yeah, it. If I needed if I needed one a lost Husker Du album or a Sugar album or one of those, I'll have to find that there. Yeah, yeah, and right? then you can get <laughs> my some boy Bob Mould. Yeah, <laughs> get some shrunken heads. <laughs> Look at some shrunken heads in the back too. Shrunken heads, know? sure. Dude, one of our favorite one of our favorite '80s slashers too was filmed by uh, down that way. It's uh, House on Sorority Row. Yes, that's Mark, right. Mark Rossman. Yeah, it was it was it was, it was like close to Pikesville, which is pretty close. Like. um I was going to say, I, I actually got a job one time because the guy who hired me was like, he worked locations or something on House and Sorority Row. No oh. way. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah, we, we love, we love, love that film. film. Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, it's great. It's a good one. Well, Chris, we can't thank you enough, man. This was such a pleasure to have you. You know, it was kind of the, one of those things. I'm like, let me reach out and see if he'll do this with us, you know, yeah. not not even knowing. And you this were so cool. Pleasure. You were so cool, man. You were like, my yeah, pleasure, I'd love guys. to, you know, but... Um, it was awesome, man. Just to talk about Halloween with you from, you know, from you, the director and writer of a movie that Matt and I love dearly now, you know what I mean? It's such a, such an amazing film. So we thank you and our listeners, thank you for creating such a, a Halloween joy filled, uh, you know, love fest. You know what I mean? It's just like amazing. So we thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. And we always, we always end with Matt sort of starting a sentence with, if you find yourself alone in the dark and Matt wrote a special one to do with this podcast. So Matt, you want to take us out? Sure will. If you find yourself alone in the dark on Halloween night, be sure to tune in to Channel 28 to watch the WNUF Halloween special. Tuck the kids in tight. Make sure that disapproving husband or wife is fast asleep. You don't have to drink because you're guaranteed to become intoxicated by this potent cocktail of pure Halloween magic. 
Don't forget the condiments, because we're bringing the burgers. Dim the lights, and we'll provide the shadow. So sit your ass down, pop in those fake vampire teeth. Light the sacred jack-o'-lantern, set your VCR, and follow Frank Stewart, your master of scaramonies, your programmatic boogeyman as he takes you on a tour through the haunted Weber house. Don't be the one left with the empty trick-or-treat bag. This trick will be everyone's treat. Tune in, or W-N-U-F-U. Thanks, guys, for listening. Chris, thanks for joining us, and happy Halloween to everybody. We will see you soon. Take care. Take care. Cheers, guys. Thank you.